still back in the saddle. Patricia, my darling, Patricia, I can... You know, Patricia stepped on her own song. I'm going to start from the beginning. You know, it could be a protest. We don't do it from the beginning. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, I know. Ladies and gentlemen, let's do it right. There we go. Patricia, my darling Patricia, I can see all my dreams in your eyes. Your smile is as gay as a bright summer day. You're much fairer than Aaron's blue skies. Oh, Patricia, my lovely Patricia. You could make all my dreaming come true. My heart is just drooling, Patricia, no fooling. I'm falling in love with you. Oh, Patricia, my darling, Patricia, I can see all my dreams in your eyes. Your smile is as gay as a bright summer day. You're much fairer than Aaron's blue skies. Oh, Patricia, my lovely Patricia, you could make all my dreaming come true. My heart is just drooling. Patricia, no fooling. I'm falling in love with you. Patricia, my lovely Patricia, you could make all my dreaming come true. My heart is just drooling, Patricia, no fooling. I'm falling in love. I'm falling in love. I'm falling in love. Patricia. Hello, Walden. You know, family, the reason why I had to play it from the beginning, I get protests if we don't play the whole song complete. So, you know. It's yeah, and, but I'm the one who wrecked it. I know, but see. You have to tell me when we're on the air. I, <laughs> and the I, question I was, is Bill feeling okay? I don't know. Okay, and now moving on <laughs> to my wreck. <laughs> Oh, my goodness, when everybody. That's the kind of night we're going to have. When, when hmm? I talked to Kim, he was still under the weather. That's why. Bill, yeah. 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 Uh, so, no. But the reason why I, I wanted to play the whole song, because if I don't, Dave King lets me know about it. So, she. <gasps> oh, yeah. I mean. Oh, I've got some stuff for Dave King tonight. 
you know. I mean, and we'll get to it right away. <laughs> you know, the family members, the, fa- the you know, uh, the, fa- the family is very protective of Patricia. She haven't figured this out. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. You and are, you are too. Well, you, 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 you're so special. We got Patricia got stuff to go over. I got station announcements, so we're going to hold off on calls just for a few minutes. That way we can catch up on stuff. So, Patricia? Okay. Because this I've is got your the first spe- half hour here. <laughs> yeah, th- this is your special day. Go right here. It's my special day? Yeah, every day is a special day. Uh, every day I wake up is special. That's right. One day it's not going to happen, and then it might still be a special day. It will be a special day. I just won't be here to enjoy this you'll, part you'll, of it. You'll, you'll be a better, you'll be a bigger, you'll be a bigger celebration party. That's all. Oh boy, oh boy! I think that is the best way. Yeah. You know, just have. I'll tell you my story. One time. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, okay, so I've got stuff. For tonight, and anybody can pick any of this. Otherwise, you're leaving it up to me. So this I've is got the, two. This is the blue point special that Patricia's offering. Tonight. Oh, you bet! It's okay. the early bird, <laughs> early bird special. All yeah, right. and it's a limited menu, but it's really great. Mm. Okay, I've got two opening questions. I'll get to them in a minute about old time radio. I've got some history information. I've got a whole page full of information about radio premiums. I've got quotes related to radio from people whose names you will recognize. We've got Walden's weekly questions when I try to stump him in six different areas, including old-time radio. I've got some fun stuff such as, where did Stonewall Jackson get his nickname? How do you like that one? Is that good? Okay. And Winnie the Pooh and fun political quotes, not politics, but just you know, like comedian-type comments, type thing like that. And useless but fun and Burma shave sayings and old wives' tales. And Dave Kane is rolling his eyes at fun quotes and fun stuff. (laughs) (laughs) That's just for you, Dave. And John was going to find out, John in Maryland was going to find out what the freezing point of heavy crude oil is. And he got his assignment and acknowledged it. Okay. And here are our two questions. Malden, how are you? I'm just a I'm little. Not- I'm a little tired. I didn't have as much sleep today, but it, I, it was a good day. We uh, recorded way ahead for the Spurvac show because John and Larry are going to be gone so much over the next two months. Yeah. And then my mom went to her DAR meeting, and she cried today oh. during the meeting because. Why? It was a program of uh, run to the wall, and I didn't know this was what they call it. It's where all the Vietnam vets get on a motorcycle and drive to the Vietnam Memorial, okay. and, and they and they had a slide presentation, and she was just so oh so moved that uh, she gave me the contact for her for the speaker for my Lion Club, but. She just cried watching the slides of all the Vietnam vets. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so she was very moved and very touched. And um, and so we love you all out there. You served our wonderful country. A big hug from Patricia Walden to you. Oh, you bet. Um, and so 
but she picked up either a nail or a screw or something like <laughs> that there, you know, something for the tire. So, and because she made such a quick changeover, you know, uh, from one outfit to another, she didn't bring her cell phone, so we took her stuff out and got to, Triple A got taken care of, and then after that, oh, John Lur and I had a, uh, a planning meeting about uh, moving the Spurvac Convention to Las Vegas, so I, we, we had a prep meeting today, figuring I'll be leaving here for that in eight days to do my scouting, you know, of all the, ho- the, the different hotels. Options. I've got my whole calendar filled with comments. Walden is away. Walden <laughs> is away. Walden is away. It's all over my calendar. Walden is away. Yeah. So it, it was just, uh, it was just, you know, so I was just, um, you know what, though? Once the show gets rolling, I'm, my body clock is a night hour clock. You're a night hour clock. I know. Even though we have, might have a <coughs> poopy days. Mm-hmm. The evening belonged to us, and we get generalized, gener- or whatever the right words, I have no idea. <laughs> you know, it sounds like a great word. It sounds like a great word. So by by a little while, I'll be my normal peppy self. So, show down. And in a little while, I will either be my normal peppy self or be asking if I could please be excused That's for the true. night. Well, you know. You haven't had too, too many days on a Saturday, so, you know, if you do, you do. And That's af- true. And true. after all, we've done, some, we've done some extra coverage the last couple of weeks during the weekday, so if we need to bow out a little bit, we can do that. Okay. Anyway, I have statement announcements to go over everybody's calendar over the next two months, but I will do that after Patricia gets the rest of her stuff out there. Oh, just the rest of my stuff are the two questions that I want people to talk with us about tonight. Okay. The first one is which genre was the strongest in radio? Not necessarily the one with the most programs, but a dominant one in the opinion of our listeners. For example, was... Were the detective shows like Sam Spade really on top of the pile? Were the comedy shows, and which one were they? Drama, quiz, sci-fi. We've got all of these genres, and I have at least one that I would pick as in my in my heart and in my listening, I would choose as the the top and the strongest for me, and that's really what I'm asking for. And the second one is which old-time radio shows had pets or animals in them. This is excluding the cowboy horses. But which shows had animals or pets in them? How do you like that? Very good. All right. Yeah, I'm working on it. John in Florida, I'm working on it. I'm really working on it. <laughs> Bless his heart. He sent an email one day a while back and said, gosh, you know, I just love old-time radio. Where has it been on your show? So we're back in the saddle here. The end. Boy, I'm just you may have the floor and the microphone and the airwaves and anything you like. Boy, we could we could throw out animal names and have them try to figure out what show they belong to. We could do that too. Yeah. Perhaps we could do that next week. Next, speaking of next week, Whoa. Uh, we'll go right out <laughs> of the block here. Is that uh, the one? A, yeah, there's a really good chance we will be late next Saturday night. Um, it's it's our Spurvac annual. 
monthly meeting, and I'm getting up at the crack of dawn. You know what mean crack of dawn? We're out the door by 8 in the morning. Who sees? Who? Who sees 8 in the morning, Patricia? What? I don't go to bed until 8 in the morning, Walden. You know, know that. I know. So we're, we're going to be on the road. Heart. And we're going to be on the road Saturday morning at 8 to wind up going up to Burbank to the uh, Spurvac elections and have them count the ballots and we'll see who makes the board. So <laughs> <laughs> what it, what it, <laughs> this is funny. Tell them, tell them how many out of how many will be elected. Well, there's seven openings and there's seven running. So we're going to sweat it out to see who makes the board. Everybody, so. so this this suggests to me that as long as someone gets a vote, he or she is in. Well, who, there might be a massive fighting campaign. Oh, wait a minute! Wait a minute! If you have, oh yeah, I was just going to say yeah, right in. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, you figure that one out. That's your organization. <laughs> I'm having enough trouble tonight keeping my notes straight. So, and so we. Yesterday we made the big, we made step one of the big move. We went to Larry and John place to move uh, boxes and boxes out of there, and still got more boxes. That way we create space to go get the move two in, move the reel from Jerry's place to John Larry's garage, and so that'll be done a week from today and bring home more stuff. So Your household has kept the cardboard industry in food this year. Yeah, and considering we've been doing this, Larry and I, for five years, that's a, that's a lot of transferring been done around here over, anyway, so that's, so, if you count the drive, the lessons, the, we're scouting out the theater, and the move, uh, there's going to be a chance I might be a few minutes late, so, Patricia can have a Pop-Tart Saturday by, uh, by handing them out to everybody at the front door while we're waiting for Walden to show up. So Yes, I, uh, I was going to mention that Walden is going to be late. I won't be. I just won't be on the air. How's you, that? You know what we could do, everybody? Yes. Here's an oh, idea. you've always got great ideas. What? 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 Those of our family members who are members of the, of the chat room, maybe they can all join Patricia in the top of the show and in the chat room next Saturday night if I'm late. Maybe Patricia can hang out there, so that might be one thing we could do. We might consider it. Yeah. But again, Patricia might be so busy in prep time, getting ready for Walden, you never know. Anyway, so that's, that is going to I happen. love it when you volunteer me for stuff. <laughs> but let me just go over stuff here. Next Friday, uh, we'll have Gloria McMillan on to celebrate her birthday, like we... Normally do. We always love having Gloria on. We once, twice, or as many times she picks up the phone and say, It's you again? Anyway, yes. You know, so we'll have Gloria McMillan on live next Friday at 11. And her husband, Ron. Patricia and I will be holding out the fort. And then next Sunday, everybody, say a prayer. Because we're going to let John and Larry loose on the station without me bringing them in. So hopefully... Uh, bro. <laughs> Front row. We've got Santa out in, <laughs> floating around out in space somewhere, and the two reindeer let loose in the station. Hmm. So, so hmm. I will. Okay, give Michael Beal a night off, and I will not do the show because 
Monday morning on the 14th, I'll be on the road at 5 in the morning going to going to Las Vegas to scout out the hotels and things to see if this is where we're going to put the Spurvac Convention. So I'll be over there for four days. We are going to have a short show next week. Well, it might be the Late only show. in, early out. It, it, well, we might just make it up. You never know. You know. Make it up? Well, you never know. Make make what up? Our time. You know. What? I know. What? Well, we could stay. We could get come on late and stay late. We could, but but never mind. (laughs) 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 Oh, oh, and put this on your clock. Next Sunday we move the clock. I've already got it here. So I'll be in Vegas. The Maybe that's why I didn't feel too well tonight then because I looked at, looked at oh dear. the clock. Yeah, um, 14th, 15th, 16th, 17th, I'll be there. Um, but Jen, Larry flying in on Wednesday, and John is driving over on Thursday. Can you imagine letting John drive drive to Vegas? That's I, I was just going to ask for clarification <laughs> on that one, please. <laughs> but I got a barbershop event next, that weekend. In mm-hmm. Las Vegas, so Larry's flying mm-hmm. in to help me out. So John is driving over on the next day. Okay, you know. Who gave him the keys? <laughs> the tenor. The tenor. The so tenor so gave him the keys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So I'm. <laughs> I'm in Florida. I'm cool. <laughs> I can, we can't go anywhere anyway. There's so much traffic out there. So. So I'm pretty sure the trainer's going to do the driving, but you never know. Anyway, they're going to be <laughs> <laughs> they're going to be gone until Sunday. So we're going to do the well. Now, interesting. Well, I will have some fun things to talk about that next uh, that following two weeks on the 19th. I am going to the Guam and Chinese Theater for a tour that afternoon, Patricia. You know, where they have the footprints in the hands. I know. I know. Are you going to be able to bend over and feel the signatures? I've done that. Yep. Yep. You've done that? Oh, yeah. All right. Well, that's going to be your assignment when you get back is to talk about what they feel like. See, we're we're getting a private tour. My line. Mm -hmm. How did you do that? Well, I like like taking our club on field trip once a month, so... We decided to go ahead and make arrangement and pay for a private tour, and so we get to see all that stuff, and we get to see a movie about wow. the history of Hollywood. And wow! So, so we'll so we'll have that to talk about on the day. And of you're the going show. to come? You, you're actually going to come home with all of that uh-huh. good stuff out there? Plus, we can talk, oh. plus we can give reports to see if we saw the swallows. Return to Capistrano. Is that Capistrano Day? Yeah, Capistrano Day. It is the nineteenth. Yeah. So that's okay. Then the following weekend, John and Larry are going to be in San Diego. This time they're they're going to be driving a train down to San Diego. You know, (laughs) (laughs) we get to blow the whistle or the horn or whatever it is. (laughs) Oh dear, you're making me kind of nervous here. Just a little. So they're going to have they're going to have lunch or dinner with our friend Shanty down there, Patricia. Oh, they finally connected. Uh-huh. That's great. So That's great. They're going to be at the, uh, they're going to let them loose and play with all the toys down there in San Diego. Oh, wow. 
for for our gang. Shanti is one of our family members, and yeah. she calls in periodically. And John and Larry were hoping to connect with her, and they just did. Yep. So that's great. I'm yep. sorry for interrupting. Go ahead. You know, sometimes we toss out names and forget to tell people who they are. Eventually, everybody, if you send a bot top to Patricia, <laughs> she'll email you a family tree. Written, and I'll draw it on the box top and send it back. <laughs> oh, my gosh. A family tree. Oh, my gosh. A Wouldn't that be a hoot? Yeah, a family tree and a map of all the little polka dots that she plugged no, in. What, what did I do with my map? Uh-oh. I have to start doing that again. I had a map of the United States, and each time someone from a different location called in, that state got a dot. And if I had three people call in from that location, the state got three dots. And that just kind of fell by the wayside, so that'll be my assignment for this week. Yep, find a map. Okay. Find my map. The following week, okay. that weekend, because John will be gone that weekend, and that's Easter weekend. So Patricia and I will be celebrating Easter with everybody by doing the next installment of the Holiday Express. We'll be doing it Saturday, March the 26th, starting at 4 Eastern. And we're gonna do two shows. We'll do our we'll do our four hour show. Take a break for dinner and Patricia can powder her nose and stuff like that there. And <laughs> that is so cute. Okay. I'll I'll make sure I do that. I don't know, do I can I do the rest of the face too? Yeah, and she'll put shoes on for the second show. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Are you kidding me? If it's cold, I will. Okay. So that's going to be, and then we'll have our normal show. Uh, Patricia's working on some special guests. Um, yeah, so I talked with Marcel. Marcel is our friend who is in California. who just got back from France where he grew up. And I was hoping he could join us and talk about French Easter customs. And he respectfully declined. He said, please remember me for next Easter, but I'm not able to do it this year. So, <sighs> disappointment. But he sends his regards. Okay, well, that's good enough. He's such a, such a great person. Really love that guy. And he was so good when he talked to us about Christmas in France. Now, Patricia's on the hunt for a chocolate Easter buddy, so we'll see if she comes up with one. I know. I know. So, and maybe we'll get free samples. Ooh. Maybe maybe that would be it. Would you be our guest and let us have free samples ahead of time so we know how to form our questions? That's the right question. Oh, I love this. Okay. Okay, so that's what's going to be on the 26th. Then looking down the road here, Patricia's going to have a night off. Hooray. Silent. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to be broadcasting the rep convention um april 15 16 and 17 so won't be it'll be we'll be doing wall-to-wall coverage and our friend chad from nebraska coming out for that patricia oh how great I chad get, you're a good guy i get to meet chad for the first time so we'll get chad to, from nebraska yes so this is quite a trip for him it's a big trip so that's on the schedule so that so Patricia will have that night off, <laughs> and then uh, I I'm looking forward to it. Look, look like it'll be April the thirtieth. It could be in May. 
uh, but you remember the Captain Tennille? Will you schedule to have? Yes, right, Tennille. Tony Tennille on with us, uh, in probably April the thirtieth if everything works out right. So, uh, they said any 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 Saturday after April twenty sixth. So, so that's I figured that's pretty good. Okay. So. So you can put that on your long-range plan, Patricia. I've got my long-range plan. Okay, Tony Tennille. That's going to be fun. Yeah. She was a sweet lady on, on the program that they did. It was fun when I clicked on the link. There was Joyce Burns up there talking to the talk, talking to him. I and I thought I didn't I forgot that he said really? on his show. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Well, that's going to be fun to talk with yeah. them. No, just Tony. All right, so, do you have anything else on the docket, my dear? Oh, please. No, I've got just a lot of fun stuff. Oh, oh, I love this day in history. Tell me, what do you got? Okay, on birthdays, Mm -hmm. this was Rex Harrison's birthday. He died in 1990. He was born in 1908. Wow. And I've got some information about him. And in 1876. A gentleman by the name of Edouard Berlin, who I think grew up in France, had an invention. He created an invention in 1907 and sent his first transmission on August 4th, 1921. It was a fax transmission. A fax transmission across the Atlantic. They had a a complimentary piece of equipment in New York at the New York Times building, and he sent a copy of a message or a photo, and they got it at the New York Times. We might we might Uh, mention two more things on the on the calendar list here. There's a big a big birthday happened here March March the third, nineteen thirty one. Does anybody know what that is? A birthday. Mm Mm-hmm. On March the 3rd? Yes. 1931, did you say? Yes, right. A birthday. A birthday. Hmm. A birthday. Oh, I know. Pick me. All right. Is that your brother's birthday? My brother's birthday is March the 9th. March the 9th? And he's born, he born 1969, so he's not born in Oh, duh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I really don't feel good tonight. <laughs> don't don't even ask me a question because I'm going to really gum it up. Okay. Um, 
117th. And the only problem this lady has, and it's not in the dining department, she eats three full meals a day, and she's so tiny. Um, the nursing staff where she lives said her hearing, she's starting to have a little problem hearing, and that's it. She eats sushi. I think I may have to rethink my ideas around here. But anyway, happy birthday to Misao Okawa. About a week ago, they they showed some interview. This gal went to a nursing home to wish this person who turned 110 a happy birthday. And she was a great, 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 great grandmother. I I forget how many. You know, some enormous amount of kids, you know. Oh, my. When we start sprinkling seeds, they go everywhere, don't they? Oh, my gosh. Well, anyway, happy birthday, Rex Harrison and Edward Edward Berlin and Our Lady in Japan. Really fabulous. I don't know. We'll have to talk about that one time. Okay, I'm ready. You ready? I'm ready. Pat, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing okay. Good. How about Uh-oh. you, too? Well, we're fine, sort of, you know. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. You know, I, 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 I gave Patricia a heads up that, yeah. that about your opinion of her awful show. Yeah. Uh, Uh-oh. <laughs> not the awful show, I'll tell you what. If you're going to be late, like, next Saturday, you say, uh-huh. buy a few of them then. That's a great idea. Have what? Say what? Play the awful show while we're, while we're being late next Saturday. Oh. All right. That's a good idea. That's do you a- have a pick, or do you want a new one? It don't make any difference. <laughs> Whatever you got. Okay. All right. We've, you know, I- in, in my history bucket, because we've been doing this for several years now, We've got some really great, awful shows. You know, I know. I just listened to one today. Did you really? Yeah. By Which the one way, is... Go ahead. Uh, okay. Uh, breakfast, let's see. Morning time or the morning oh, show. Everybody has, yeah, the, when, they, when the stars get together and they have a, a radio show. show. Yeah, the morning show, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was listening to it for a little bit. Right? You did that like a year or two ago. That that would be about right, two years ago maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mary, Mary had counted up how many awful shows you've done. You have any, you want to guess, Patricia? Gosh, we're only doing them one a week. I know. I don't know. How many? 153 so far. You, I know you didn't play one last night. I know. No, well, Larry, we, Larry, Larry had it posted... But somehow it didn't get to the to the system somehow. So oh, Larry wasn't yeah. too happy about that. Yeah. So, so. I get a reprieve. Okay, I'm ready. I'm all braced. I'm sitting here with a cup of coffee. My feet are up, and I've got my eyes covered. Oh. Go ahead, Pat. Okay, I got one I heard today. <laughs> okay. Uh, you'll have to answer this with a question. Okay. Uh. I don't know how to say this. What was the older show? It's still on today. It started on radio, but it's still on TV. Wow. It's still going today. And it's still on today, but it started? It started on on radio. 
and it's still on today. Oh, oh, oh. Well, let me shoot a couple of guesses. Is it a soap opera? No. One down. How many How many guesses do I get? <laughs> I'll give you a hint. It's on Sunday mornings. It's on Sunday mornings? Oh, oh, oh. I think I got that one beat, though. I, Pat, I do not know. Meet the press. You, you, meet the you, press. Yeah, you, meet the Oh, my goodness. <laughs> wow, that, that was good, Pat. You, you get a Wall of Fame star up there. And that was from Jeopardy today. It was? Yeah, that, that was one of the questions on Jeopardy. You cheated. <laughs> oh? No, you didn't. That was a great piece of information. Thank uh, you. Yeah. My gosh. Walden, did you say you had one? Yeah, yeah I would think of the Grand Ole Opry, which is still heard on radio today. So well, yeah. Well, I don't think it was on TV. I don't That's think it's the story. It was on radio, yeah. Right. I, I think you're right. I don't, you're right. I don't think it's ever made it to TV. But, you know, I bet they tried. Yeah. I bet well, I, they had they had stuff like hee haw. Yeah. And well, hee haw did. Yeah. In that sense, they they at least advanced the genre a bit. But I don't recall that they even tried. I don't know. You're the expert, Walden. Find it. You say you will. Do it now. Well, I I try to get Roy Clark on the show, but he hasn't returned my right. calls. He hasn't returned my calls yet. Well, maybe we need to tell him how much we. Appreciate him. Yeah. <laughs> we can do that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but, you know, what? We, we, if we want to, I can get the producer of Sea Hall. Yeah. Oh. He, he, really? He, yep. He probably really? Got, he probably got a few stories. I think oh. so. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm ready, Pat. I understand that you would like to tear me apart. I told Patricia that you, you like Stan Freebook. And I, I've been listening. Yeah, I, you had a Stan Freeberg while back, yes, I did. and you said that was the worst show there was. Everybody I play for, they say they, it's the best show they've heard. Hmm. Well, there's more of it. So I got, I got the whole series. I think I do too. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Yeah. I do. I have all 15 shows. So are you going to listen, oh, yeah. to listen to all 15 shows, Patricia? No. I'll spot check. <laughs> I don't know. Are the, are the subsequent shows, this was the number one show for the limited, you well, know they what? only did could 15 have, shows. <clears throat> Excuse you know me. Out of the 15 could, shows. could have done on the first show, he could have put too, he didn't know how long it was going to run. Mm-hmm. And he could have put too much in there. That's exactly You know, to make the 30 that's, minutes. That's I exactly bet, I bet, but probably like the next show, he probably slowed it down a little bit. So it and that would have made it in. really good. Really good. Because the really brilliant sense of humor. Right. It was just so much clutter coming together in uh, that yeah. single show that it made my brain hurt. Yeah. And I bet that's what some people did. They, you know, since they didn't know how it was going to work out. Mm-hmm. And they they put so much in the first one, and the and they said that was too much maybe. But like on that another show, next show, 
they didn't put they timed it and they didn't uh-huh. put much in there. Now they did different kinds of skits in there, and they also had some music yeah. in the middle. Yeah. Is there? Do you think that as an introductory show, they put a whole lot in there mm-hmm. to see what stuck to the wall? Yeah. That's really what I was thinking. I have a theory here. Is Stan mm-hmm. Freeberg one of those comedians that is he best in the short, small bites rather than the full 30-minute mm-hmm. show? I think so. I really think so. And that's where I think that's where his brilliance in advertising came from. He could pack so much punch into such a teeny-weeny package. And when they gave him free reign, I think it was too much space. Yeah. Mm. I, I think he tried to fill it with this really tight humor that he yeah. was accustomed to doing, and it came like ping-pong balls bouncing around. It was just bam, 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 bam. So that that was my reason for choosing it. Oh, I do yeah. I hate Stan Freeberg. Uh, yeah. I prefer not to listen to his work, but, um, you know, his advertising is just spectacular. Yes, because I got all his records. Do you really? Yeah, okay, I got all of them. This is great. Tell me yeah. about... The records. Huh? Tell me about the records. What do you like about the records, and what do they feature? Well, I haven't played them for a while, but they did a lot of the, you know, his commercials and his mm-hmm. songs, different things. It's just what everything that he did. You have a favorite one? The what? You have a favorite? No, huh? You like it all? Just like them all. Okay, when I read about the airline, I think it was Pacific Airways. Does that sound like a former airline, Walden? Does that, is that correct, Pacific Airlines? I think it or was, Pacific yes. Airways? Uh-huh. Pacific. I think it was, yeah. well, it had Pacific in the name. Right. And he was supposed to put together a promotional, and he did it by featuring a survival kit or a safety kit, a good luck kit. And... He, they, every every passenger got one, and it had a little security blanket and a fortune cookie that said it could be worse and a rabbit's foot. <laughs> now, that, I think, is such brilliance. He had a way of taking the negative and turning it into a positive. So many people were afraid of flying still. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he, took, he took the negative and turned it into a positive. I mean, I saw a rabbit's foot on a plane, and I just lost it. I didn't even see the commercial. <laughs> I lost it. But anyway, anyway, did I do really bad? Did I do a really bad thing, Pat? No, you, you're doing the, you're doing as good as you can. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Well, thank you. I will take that as a compliment. Just, yes. uh, and, and you know, there's shows I'm running across in my radio book. I had, I didn't, even, you know, I only see maybe one, one of. And a lot of the titles they had in my book, I've never even heard of. Mm-hmm. Patricia goes really deep to find I, I go squirreling around. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I've got squirrels yeah. nests out there. Mm-hmm. There, there was a, there's a show I, I heard on the on another radio station today. I didn't even know there was. Do you remember what it was called? A Junior Grand Old Opry. Huh. And it junior? was a morning show. Huh. I didn't even know anything about it. What a peculiar time for a Grand old Opry. Yeah. I know, yeah. 
And they did a local show right before that. It was from the 50s. It was, and it's called... Uh, number, okay, I'll, so, I can't think of, something, number one, number one spot on the dial, and there was another WSM show. Mm-hmm. And, and I never even heard of it. It called Don't Touch it That Dial. Play show back in the 50s. There was a book. Called don't and and Bob right. and Bob and Barbara called their show don't touch that dial. Okay, that's where I heard it then. Yeah. Okay. I have a trivia right. question for both of you. Okay. Yeah, and you're. All right. You're doing those great the touch the, the don't touch the dolls. You're doing good on that. Yeah, thank you. And we're running them now on Wednesday. Thank to you on the blue. I know. Yeah. And uh, so Larry pulled out all the stops out of the archive to do that. And, and the and the when you did a couple of weeks ago, you started out at eleven at eleven o'clock with the Tesla. Don't touch the dial. Ah, yep. Well, it's up to early how he puts it together. Then this week, mm-hmm. it ended. Up, you started at like at three three o'clock or three thirty. Well. You reversed them. <laughs> well, I guess that's what Larry decided to do the past week. So, was, so yeah, I don't know if it's going to be reversed every week or phone. how they're going to do it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Larry puts it together. Um, yeah. Okay, here's my here's my trivia question, and I. Yeah. Okay. There is still a quiz a quiz show on radio, still on today, and it's been on for over fifty years. What is it? A uh, quiz show on radio. Yep, a quiz show. On yeah. They have it's on once a week. Wow. And it's been on for. Over you guys are really putting. Bunny's out of a hat tonight. It's, over, it's been over 50 years, and I, li- I listened to it 30 years ago in L.A., and it disappeared, and I found a website this week. So, oh, my gosh. And it's, I read about it. It's been on the air for over 50 <coughs> years. <laughs> so uh, we can put the, we can leave that out for the family to figure out what show that is. Oh, well, somebody's going to go squirreling on Google. That's mm-hmm. not fair. Oh, Got to yeah. call in with your guesses. I don't first. think they can find it. I don't think they're gonna find it. <laughs> well, how did you find it? Can I remember the title of the show? Okay. That helped. And okay. It's, and if buried, if buried inside of another website. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, you old rascal, you. Okay, Pat. I have. We, oh, we've I got think some I general know. Qu- Go ahead, Pat. Pat. We've got some yeah, general questions tonight. Uh, first, the dot. First, number one. That's something like that. Ah. I haven't heard of that one. I know. I never even have until today. First number one. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Okay. That First was Nighter, maybe? That, no. Uh, I think it was 1955. Okay. All right. Well, I'll go digging around and see what I can yeah. come up with. Okay. I've got a, a general question for everybody tonight. Oh. Uh, yeah, I want you to name one radio program that had an animal or a pet in it, and we are excluding cowboys. It, Their horses uh, don't count. I know Fibber McGee. Fibber McGee and Molly had a a bird. They Very did good. so. Very good. <laughs> they had uh, another pet 
as well. Do you know what that one was? Hmm? They had a second pet. Do you know what that one was? Oh, the second one? Uh-huh. Oh. Was it, I don't know if it was, was it a dog maybe? Nope, not a dog. We'll leave that oh, one out for... I don't know. You guys remember we'll the name? You guys no, remember? I've heard it, but I don't... Do you guys remember the name of the bird? Oh, I, depended on, I, I depended on who was talking to it at the time. That's one right. said baby, that's right. and the other one said buster, I think. Oh, um, you're right, Patricia. You are hot tonight. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And those oh, were in the 15-minute shows, and I haven't heard I very many those, of them. I transferred those this week, so that's why I... It refreshed my memory hearing a fibber call at Buster. Buster, yeah, Buster and Baby. <laughs> yep. I, yeah, I think baby. they called a Buster. Did they call Polly? No, Molly called the little bird Baby. Oh, Baby. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So. Okay. All right. Well, Pat, thank you for being gentle with me about Stan Freeberg. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. And thank you for calling in. I'm just so pleased that we got to say hi. Yeah, yes. Terrific. We'll, we'll talk to you soon, Pat. Okay. Thank you. I'll talk to you later. You okay. Bet. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, this Thursday, Patricia, uh, Larry and I are doing an interview with Jim Ransburg. Now, he came out with a book a couple of years ago, and he has a fun website. JimRansford.com, and he goes through and look up the history of the ratings. What were the most America favorite shows for every decade and every wow? And he has it on his website. What so, a labor of love that was! Oh, and so he said he's having more fun with the website than he is writing the book. <laughs> so, so we're gonna get an up, we're gonna get an update with him on Thursday about his discoveries and the ratings and. Uh, you know, he, he loves mm-hmm. looking up shows. He, do anybody want to guess what he thinks is the most overrated shows in terms of ratings of all time? Well, I have a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he, he says he think the memory of the show bigger than the actual ratings. Groucho's I Bet Your Life. Mm, that's a good guess, but no. More well known. It's more, I bet your life. It's more um, well. It's more more, more well known. Yeah. Than the, the um, if he's if he's going to do something as bad as picking on Stan Freeberg, I would say The Great Gildersleeve. It's bigger than it's bigger than Gildersleeve. Oh, not Fibber. It's bigger than Gil, Fibber McGee. Uh, I, I would say of the shows that remember, it's in the top two of all time. Oh heavens. Not Sam Spade. No, bigger, what more well known than Sam Spade? Yes. Holy cats! Yeah, so he claimed, he 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 won after one of the big time sacred cows of old time radio. That he think he said people's memories have overrated the what it is in terms of the rating book. Attacking sacred cows, we're we're a team, huh? <laughs> okay, um, Paul, I I'm. I don't know. You you want to let the family can guess on this one, or you want me sure. to give you the okay? No, sure. Carl, you're on there. Yeah, Walt and John from Maryland. Hi, John. <gasps> John, the guy with the assignment for this week. You want to take a yep. gu- you want to take a guess on any of our questions? 
What was the, what was the question? Okay. On Thursday, we're talking to a radio historian who looks like to look up ratings. You know, how popular shows was. And in his mind, there's one show that people have fond memories today, but it's totally overrated compared to the popularity. If you look like what was popular in the 30s and 40s, it wasn't that popular compared to what we think of it today. For heaven's sakes, Jack Benny. No, but you're in, you're in, the, you're in the right level. Bob Hope, Red Skelton, Ben No, it's more, it's more, it's more well known than those people. Really? Yeah. Jack Benny. Yes, and it's, every time you think of radio, this comes up, like in the first two shows. If you talk well, to it might come up in your first two shows, but obviously but, I'm a dud here. No, well, no, no. If you go talk to the general public. Because I would yeah. say you and John are radio experts. If you go to the general public, this is one of the two shows they always mention. My goodness. My goodness, I agree. My gosh. Well, then I don't know. Mm, okay, I guess we'll have to save that one. All right, what's your birthday this week? John turned 85. <coughs> Only 85? It it's a singer, right? Well, it has a musical background. <laughs> You're so forgiving. I was going to say Evelyn or Magic Violin. I <laughs> <laughs> he'd be older than that. Yeah. Well, it was, it was born in Maryland. It was born, born in mm-hmm. Maryland? Yeah. Well, it's not Punxsutawney Phil, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, that's February anyway. Um, March the 3rd, it, 1931. It was born. So does that mean something like a ship? Yeah, but it's not as tangible as a ship. Oh. I'm trying to be really vague that way. I know. I know. It sounds like a... Oh, my goodness. And, and probably... So this, this is not a person. It's not a thing. It's abstract. Yes, it's, in, it's intangible. Intangible. And, okay. And all of us have sung it. All of us have what? You broke up a little bit there. All, all of us have, have participated in this. Well, are we back to toilet paper? Is it a charity? Nope. It's more well-known as charity. We're not back to toilet paper here, right? No, no. Okay. It's intangible. It's intangible, Mm -hmm. sure. So, um, Hmm. 1931. Mm -hmm. So, is it a radio show? Oh, you're talking about the national anthem? You're correct, John. It's the national Bless anthem. Your heart, John. You are hot. <laughs> when you said Maryland, I got to thinking. Yep, yep. That's when Congress de- our, our official that, national anthem. That's when Congress decided to enact that to be the official song. Right. Well, that's a good birthday to observe. Don't you think, though, we've been better off having God bless America? I certainly do. Well, Except, God Bless America wasn't around in 1931. I know. But still. You know, I mean, we're supposed to be flexible, in, right? Irving Berlin's desk. I know. Was, it was around, but it was in Irving Berlin's yeah. desk. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't floating around in he, the public he, domain. What, you know, he could quite the bury things. I mean, he buried that thing for 20 years. I mean, everything else, he just... Easter Parade? Yeah. 
Easter parade was buried at his desk. Can you imagine the legacy Irving Berlin left America? From, yeah. from God Bless America to the Easter parade to White Christmas? Yeah. I mean... Did you ever question how much was still in that trunk when he died? I never thought of it until just now. He'd write a song song if he didn't think it was any good. He didn't throw it away. No, he just kept it. But in in those files, how many songs did he leave behind that were never published? Well, here's a good one. In 1938, they had a 90-minute radio tribute to Irving Berlin, talking about Mm -hmm. him being his great songwriting career, and he just turned 50. And 50. We, we, yeah, fifty five oh and we and and you know, the feet was all these stars and everything. And they talking about him being the great at that time in nineteen he hasn't put out God Bless America, Easter Parade or White Christmas. <laughs> By eight fifty they were honoring him as the great American songwriter and it's still his best work was still yet to come. That's right. That's amazing. What did they celebrate at, the, at his 50th and it, birthday? Well, and he you know, get your gun and all that work. Yeah, none of that. You know, well, you know, Alexander Ragtime Band mm. in 1911 was a put him on the map. Mm-hmm. And I'm all alone by the telephone. That was a, yeah. Those were some of some of the great songs that people would, they used and sung. I think I'd better start listening to music. I I don't know that second song that you just alone I by the phone. You, I bet you I bet you've heard it, it's just not in your memory bank at the moment. Who sang it? Oh, I think there you are, all alone too, wondering where you are, how you are, and if you're wondering too, I can't remember the name of it. I can probably sing it. My cracked up voice now. Yeah, I don't recognize it. All alone, I'm so all alone. Well, uh, by then, though, he wrote... All alone by the telephone, wondering where you are and how you are, and if you are all alone, too. The other one he wrote before then, the story that's always been one of my... The Blue Skies. I always have liked that song, Blue Skies. The Blue Skies was pretty. You know, that that was an Irving Berlin song. Okay. Or um, How Deep With The Ocean. Yeah. How deep yeah. the ocean, how high is the sky? Okay. How much do I love you? I'll tell you no lie. How, yep. how far okay. is the journey from here to a star? I'm, I'm feeling a little ever, inadequate here. How much well, let's put, put, put it this way, Patricia. In the second half of your life, we mm-hmm. can add music as part of your education. What do you think? <laughs> um, I still have... How many how many old time radio shows have surfaced now? Two hundred fifty thousand. Okay, I still have two hundred and forty nine thousand radio shows to go through, so I'm going to have to put music on hold for a little bit. Well, that's you know when I when I grow up and I ever have nothing else to do. <laughs> <laughs> that's one. Thing we can I entertain want. each other in the nursing home. Yeah, what? That's one thing I want to do is go back to school and take some music appreciation classes. I never... You said that, yeah. Yeah, I never did that in school. John, did you ever mm-hmm. take any... Oh, music? yeah. What, what, what's, what's... Music was one of my favorite subjects in school. I even... And it groomed me for 
to joining different choirs after I got out of school. Mm-hmm. And then I sang at my son, my youngest son's wedding. Oh, my goodness. What did you I sing? Sang, I sang the Lord's Prayer. Wow. And uh, from Fiddler on the Roof, uh, Sunrise, Sunset. Oh, gosh, that's a great one. And uh, one of the one of the people in the choir mentioned, he says, if the bride's mother isn't crying, she's crying now. Aw. <laughs> that song. <laughs> that's great. Zero Mustel did such a wonderful job with that. But I used to be wound up on the red channels. He was banned. I doubt if I could do it anymore, but I used to, when I was a a young kid, I could tell you the song and who wrote it. But I've gotten away from, you know, Jerome Kern. um, Yeah. uh, What was the one? Went to Yale. um, Yeah, what was his name? Oh, 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 oh. um, uh, Give me a second. Um, The guy who wrote. Beginning to begin. Yeah, begin to begin. He wrote that's that. That's my favorite song, Begin to Begin. Cole Porter. Cole Porter. He went to Yale. Yeah, I used to be able to, when he'd play a song, i say, oh, that was written by Irving Berlin, that was written by Cole Porter, Jerome Kern, Irving Berlin. And I was just a little kid. <laughs> but the thing about Irving Berlin was, yeah. he wrote the words and also the lyrics. The lyrics and the, and the song melodies the music and the words why why i i came across a series i'm transferring called the songwriter showcase and it seemed like a lot of times they worked in a team you had one guy do the music and one guy to write the work i, it was, I know that kind of a collaboration has always puzzled me ira and george gershwin right mm-hmm. one was the words and one was music and and who wrote um, Silver Bells? Levinson and Evans. Yeah. yeah. Levinson and Evans. Or they got Rogers and Hart. They probably wrote it in one day. I think they wrote it in one day. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. They needed that, a song for the Lemon Drop Kid with Bob, Bob, uh, mm-hmm. Bob Hope. And I think they wrote it in one day. What not that a nice feeling that you can write something for one day and have it pay $100,000 for 50 years every year? That's not bad. Not bad working so you can get it. Yeah, and if it's not a one-trick pony, wow. <clears throat> no, I mean, really. It's, it's, it's hot it's John and Larry. You could ask John and Larry, that my grandson, he he can do musical arrangements. He could take a song mm. and make it and do a, an arrangement for a whole orchestra. Wow. That's got to be a gift, or can you learn to do that? Well, he went to college for it, but yeah. he could sit down and write arrangements. What, what, tomorrow night, I confirmed he it. Does it. He does it part-time. He's He's got, every once in a while, somebody will hire him to make an arrangement of something. Tomorrow night, I just confirmed it today. Uh, we'll reschedule. Tomorrow night will be the biographer of Meredith Wilson. Yeah. And that will be fun to talk about his talent of arranging mm-hmm. and writing and things like that. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, John, did you do your homework? Oh, yeah, and that was quite difficult. Please. How bad it was. Did you find the answer? Every every time, every website I went to was a different story. Uh-oh. And it all, it all oh. boils down to one thing, that uh, motor oil contains millions, well, I guess this is millions of molecular structures that all freeze at different temperatures. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, was, I was looking at heavy oil, crude right out of the ground. Oil is made from... Uh, 
Well, it's like coal, you know, from vegetation, organic mm-hmm. material under extreme pressure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, I think uh, if you would keep oil in the ground long enough, it would become coal. You know, it would solidify under pressure. It would solidify oh, into a solid material, which would be coal. Now, you know, if you look... If you got a picture, if you got a globe in front of you, and you can see where the equator goes around and around and around, if you mm-hmm. follow that equator around now, there's probably a lot of places that have submerged in the ground uh, billions of tons of organic material, mm-hmm. for, and due to plate tectonics, as it uh, comes out of, of, of the earth and pushes down and creates more pressure, makes that under extreme pressure, compresses that into and solidifies it into coal. But I think, uh, I read somewhere where if you dip oil in the ground longer, it will solidify, become oh my a gosh. material. And that kind coal. of pressure is what creates diamonds out of coal. Yeah. Under extreme pressure, now we're talking... Millions of pounds a square inch, you know. Yeah. And, it's, and so, if you take, all right, we, if you look, if you look, have, you know, the, the equator has been in so many different positions. Yeah. And the position it is in right now, you have jungles of Africa, and jungles of uh, South America, as the equator. I think it's heading south. Then that material will head in another direction, and the. the if the pressures are pushed down from plate tectonics, push that material that's currently growing in Brazil and in, in Africa, mm-hmm. that becomes organic material that goes into the ground and then it, it, it bears these different pressures. And mm-hmm. then, like I said before, underneath the South Pole is a continent. Can you imagine to get miles of ice pushing down on the continent of South America? Of South Pole, and at one time there was vegetation there. Can you imagine the tremendous pressure that's pushing against all that vegetation in the South Pole? And 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 it creates coal. But I think the, the um, step before coal is motor is uh, petroleum. And right. that's why that's why uh, uh, if you take uh, say a gallon or a quart of uh, oil, it contains millions of molecular structures that freeze at different temperatures. They don't, so when, and they when, all when does the entire mixture reach the freezing point? When does the last molecular holdout freeze? Yeah, but of course, at, at absolute zero, everything will freeze. The only place you can find absolute zero is in outer space. You can get, you can get obtain lower temperatures because I used to work in a lab and we used to when we needed things to go at extreme temperatures we would get purchase um, liquid nitrogen it comes in a uh, thermos mm-hmm. thermos and if you take and you pour it it never hits the floor it, it'll freeze it becomes it comes out as liquid like water in fact it'll look like water when it comes out of the bottom you pour it it never reaches the floor because it becomes uh, vapor. Now we've t- we've taken like um, rubber hoses, thin rubber hoses, maybe a quarter inch in diameter, mm-hmm. 
stick it in the thermos, pull it out, and drop it on the floor, and it smashes like glass. It'll break like glass, yeah. Yeah. So we we used to do that too. <laughs> well, I was just thinking do that now because I don't work there anymore. When when uh, <laughs> whenever that anyway, co- you, you can take the oils and and uh, expose it to something like liquid liquid nitrogen, which would be like almost 200 degrees below zero. Mm-hmm. But see, there's so many different particles in oil because. And they all freeze at different temperatures. So I never would be able to come up with an exact temperature. They they say it'll freeze it. Uh, it'll solidify at like minus 30 centigrade. Ooh, wow. Or minus That's 35 centigrade, around that area, 30 or 35 degrees centigrade. Well, when Fahrenheit and centigrade become kind of the same thing when you get down around zero. 30, oh, well, like we're, burning, we're doing minus 30. Freezing, yeah. freezing centigrade zero versus 32 Fahrenheit. But when, right. when you get down to around zero Fahrenheit, they become closer together. So it's anywhere between 30 and 35 degrees centigrade below the minus. Uh, I, I was just thinking, you know, isn't it with dry ice, you, you have to be careful. If, if not, you can get a burn. Or, or oh, yeah. Yeah, it's because it, it's evaporating so fast. Another thing about dry ice is it's it's uh, uh, frozen CO2, carbon dioxide. Mm-hmm. So I was just thinking of the thing that, that you mentioned. That can kill you. That's what I was just thinking, John, the stuff that you mentioned that if you came out of it once and you pour it and turn the ice before it hit the ground, could that but also I, burn you? Oh, gosh, yes. But, oh, gosh, yes. You can do third-degree burns with that. Uh, frozen CO2, you have to watch that. Now, you can buy that in some supermarkets, which is a dangerous thing to buy because, like, if you're taking it on the way home and put it in the uh, back seat of your car, uh-huh. mm-hmm. giving off CO2, and that'll kill you. You will know it because there's no odor, and that'll kill you. So I don't know if there's any warnings on this uh, dry ice when you buy it or not. If you do buy, put it in front of your car. Don't put it inside your cabin. That's a great safety tip. That's a great suggestion. Yeah, I I, I, have, I've never purchased it, but it's something you've got to think about. Yeah. It's like people who uh, charcoal grill inside their garage or something. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh, yes. And have the generators running, the gas-driven generators. <laughs> That'll put you away fast. Mm-hmm. Right. You'll right. never be afraid of the cold again. You hear about some oh. of those accidental fires where they they do things like that to try to stay warm in the house and yeah oh so exactly sad. exactly if they haven't killed themselves first yeah. when CO two evaporates it's heavier than air so you like you see these spooky horror films you see the smoke on the ground sure mm-hmm. that's what that is that CO two dry ice and. Uh, it causes a cloudiness because it's evaporating, but it doesn't give yeah. off any liquid. It just it becomes it goes from a solid to a gas. It skips the liquid stage. When it starts to evaporate, the evaporation is much colder than the surrounding area, which never is at zero humidity. So the humidity becomes fog. Right. You, yeah, I'm smart. Put it in, you put it in water, and it'll bubble like crazy. And you see, and oh my gosh, yes. Smoke. Oh my gosh, they, yes. They, all the horror films show this: uh, the, the mad scientist pouring mm-hmm. 
and you don't look in the bottom of the whatever vessel he's using to pour it into. As soon as that uh, water hits that frozen ice, it gives off this uh, steam, I call it. So, did, yeah. you, did you ever have a chemistry set, John, as a boy? Yeah, you asked me that once before. I want to know the guy any stories. Yeah, it was a Gilbert set back in the days when, my uh, God, you could get things that poison half the people in your family with. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't have to tell Patricia what KCN is. Or do I? Yeah. Calcium cyanide. K, K is calcium. Potassium. And CN is cyanide. Oh, my gosh. You could do that with your chemistry set? Yeah, they had all kinds of things. Oh, yay, yay. And a lot of... Uh, I, we can't, we can't let a kid go out on, on roller skates without had, a helmet now. You know, I'm getting... That's a set that made lead soldiers. You get, they give you a little ladle and you put it over like a punching burger type thing. And melt the lead, and you had these uh, steel forms you pour in and make tin soldiers. We called them tin, but it wasn't tin. There was lead, and all them lead fumes coming. <laughs> okay, so a chemistry test, what would it actually be? Would it be how many different bottles of liquid would you have, and would it have a home Bunsen burner? Would it come with just tubes? I mean, what would be a typical They had test? a little stand, because top... Uh, Test tubes around it. Right. And they had a little stand that you put them in. And um, you were, it would hold the uh, test tubes vertically. And you could, and they had a little book there that you, and, and they had simple little things that you could make, like ink, things like that. <laughs> or I always wanted to make a stink bomb. Remember those? <laughs> Okay, here's here's a chemistry one for you, John. All right. Which radio character made nitroglycerin with his chemistry set? That was little Leroy. Very good. Oh my goodness, you're hot. You are really hot tonight. Yeah, that's I can remember stuff like that. I can't remember <laughs> what I had for supper. Well, that's not as important as remembering old time radio. What's that? It's not as important as remembering earlier times and old-time radio. <laughs> well, it was our way of life. I mean, radio was everything. To my grandparents, radio was a miracle. I bet it was. It, it was a miracle. My, my... They had everything like that. They were born in the middle of the 19th century. I, I, they, still, I, still, it, I still think it's amazing. My... my... I guess she'd be my great grandmother. She'd been my dad's grandmother. She she married when she was sixteen, and drove cattle from Texas yeah. to Nebraska. And they did not have electricity in her place till nineteen forty eight. So how her, many children did they have? Four, I think. And and they 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 that first winter in Nebraska, they they lived on the side of a mountain. You know those uh. No hut thing you you did because mm-hmm. they didn't have time to build their but earth but, houses yeah but she but the radio she had was battery up and she only turned it on at noon to hear the news and sort of and the farm report but that that was it because they ne- they didn't have electricity until 1948. <laughs> it's just amazing to think about. That's really not too long ago. Well, you know, uh, my my mother's. Friend. I, yeah, my mother's family came to the, to the 
the new world at the, at the turn of the century. But they they migrated to Canada. Okay. They never went through Ellis Island. They went to mm. Canada through, let's see, into Ohio. They came down to Ohio. and uh, But anyway, a lot of my grandfather's relatives, they stayed in Canada because mm-hmm. you could homestead up there and get free land. And the, the climate up there was sort of like the climate uh, in the part of Germany that they came from, the right. northern part. And they got into the lumber business and things like that. And my aunt, uh, I remember she graduated from college. She became a school teacher. And back in this before the war, around 1940, she became a, a school teacher. And I remember, remember she, on the summer vacation, uh, my grandparents took her up to visit the relatives. Well, he had a brother that lived up there near the Hudson Bay. And I remember my aunt telling me that she went up there, and they, she, they had a beautiful home. It's more, more like you would call a log home today. Right. In, on television where they built these log homes. Well, they had an actual log, a big home. So my aunt, she's walking around, and she's walking all over the house. And she says to her aunt, she says, uh, I have to go to the, to the potty. Where do I go? Oh, she says, you go outside. So my aunt goes outside. She's looking for an outhouse. There aren't any outhouse. So she, she goes back and says, where do I go? She says, anywhere you want. <laughs> oh, that's good. And that's they had a, a good story. Had a, uh, they had a, uh, a horse and sleigh. Because they still have, in, in the middle of July, they still had up near the huts, up near the Hudson Bay, they still have snow on the ground. I was going to say, when you said Hudson Bay, boy, that is brutal territory up there. Yeah, and then, and uh, they go, they had a, a horse and wagon, not a, I mean a horse and wagon, a horse and sleigh, mm-hmm. that inside had a hot-bellied stove. In the sleigh? Yeah, inside the sleigh. Wow. Sleigh. Boy, that is cold it, territory. Inside there, you get inside there to go into town, because town, town it was, was uh, 40, 50 miles away. And they had actually had a hot-bellied stove inside the sleigh. I can see that being handy if you're going to, if you're going to do milk delivery, you know, whole fashioned buggy and dropping off milk. It, up there would be frozen milk. So you, the, yeah. They on the way. Yeah. In their basement, up there, they, we call them a, a cellar. We would call it a root cellar. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. an earthen floor, no support concrete, it's all earthen floor. And they had different areas in there where they would bury things, where they would, like the potatoes and things, root vegetables they could put mm-hmm. somewhere in a basement, and uh, what we would call a root basement. And... Uh, of course, they could they could uh, hang meat outside. They would <laughs> act, they actually hung the meat outside. Wow. Okay, so <laughs> in, so, in that in that time, you would ha- would you have different shed? In other words, if you have ice, would that be in a separate room versus your vegetables versus tin tin Oh yeah, meat? yeah, that'd be in a separate area. Yeah. Still, again, in, in what we would call a basement. But to them, it was a, a functional area 
where you could uh, hang your beef and where it would stay, it wouldn't spoil. Because uh, John, did they cut ice and preserve it in the basement or the sub area? Yeah, they could cut ice because they were near the, the Hudson Bay, which was really salt water. I don't really know how they did that because salt water, like I say, it contains enough mineral salts. It's not it's not forgot sodium chloride, NaCl. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's a uh, combination. Everything eventually will dissolve in water. Eventually. Some, t- some things take longer to dissolve in water than other things. Yeah. So when you say uh, sea salt, it contains everything. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. I eat sea salt. <laughs> um, well, gee. There's a multitude of uh, elements that have dissolved, eventually dissolve into sea salt. won't hurt you. Yeah, so okay, so I mean, we're talking about old dinosaurs and stuff here. How about saltwater taffy, Patricia? How about it? <laughs> That's happened during the flood. You know, I looked Atlantic up saltwater taffy one night, and it actually did at one time have some salt water in it. And it's a very popular item at the beach places like Atlantic City. I'm not effective, and I'd have even been That's born in Atlantic term. City. That's where that term came from, saltwater taffy. That came yeah. from on the. Uh, the high tide came all the way up to the boardwalk. Mm-hmm. Or one of the one of the storms, and they said the salt water got in the taffy. <laughs> that's 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 what they say. I don't know if that actually happened. I, I've read that in a couple of places too. Salt water at taffy came from. Mm-hmm. And it tasted good. Yeah. Well. Oh well. All right, John. I, I want I, you to I, name. I I know hmm? we. One of the things we um. We were blessed with my mom's company, with the Irvine Company, and we had our own private beach. And uh, we also, at the Irvine Company, you raise your own fruits and vegetables. And it had the best corn in the world. Mm. And so what he would do, the head, the head, the president of the company, would take the corn and he would throw it out in the ocean. And it came back in already salted. So he didn't bother to put salt on his corn. He just took it to the ocean and just threw it out in the ocean. And when it came back in, it was all ready to go. We're you know, fish swimming stuff. We have, yeah. a, we have a corn here called uh, Silver Queen. Uh-huh. And you, you know, the best way to eat it was to put nothing on it. Oh. Uh, no, 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 no butter? No salt. And we we steam it in the in the husk. We mm-hmm. put it in a pot with a little bit of water in the bottom. Of course, there's a rack so the corn don't come in contact with this, with the, the water. Mm-hmm. Steam your corn. It takes about a half an hour. You take it out, and the husk goes all the way back. And you've got a handle to hold the corn with the husk. You know, you mm-hmm. tear it off. You just peel it down so the corn's exposed. And then eat it like that, it's delicious. You don't put anything on it. Not even butter? Nope. Wow. I can't imagine over, corn over without butter. Corn. I'll be done. So there's a thing about corn in uh, World War II. Uh, i got a lot of stories tonight. <laughs> in World War II, at the end of World War II, uh, under the Marshall Plan and all that, right. the five-out mm-hmm. things, we had to rebuild the ruined areas 
and the farmers, they needed seeds and you know, so they could plant crops. So they asked them uh, what, what, what they needed over there, and they said, corn. So the United States has sent all this, these corn seeds and plants and the things over there for them to start corn, and they look at it and say, that's not what they want. They want corn. What do you mean corn? Corn in, in Jersey means grain. Gray, a, a grain. A corn in Germany is called, well, like the Aztecs would say, maize. Well, mm-hmm. in Germany it's called mice. So if they wanted that, they would ask for mice. Then it really would have confused us. <laughs> but they asked for corn, which means grain. You know, wheat and oats and barley. Oh, uh, okay. And they got all this. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> they said they give oh my gosh. cattle. They give that to the cattle. Because over there, the corn was, uh, that we call corn, was his, mm-hmm. his, his uh, livestock feed. That's right, because we all call it corn, corn-fed beef. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's really, it's really mice, maize, as Aztecs, Aztecs over here. Right, and that's sort of yeah. where maize, that's what they called it in the early, the early days with maize. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And over in Germany, it's called mice. Mice. Well, thing, when I was in Germany, the thing I did not know until we um, we ate a, ate a German family that all the pigs in Germany they're raised indoors. What's what's that? There, there, any pigs in Germany they're raised indoors. Oh, that that's that's when the weather uh, they, they can't stay out in the weather. And they have them in the basement, which we would call oh, yuck. It's a corral <laughs> underneath the house. Wow. Because they, that's how well they treated animals. That's like when, when the fish was told, <laughs> I mean, Joseph and Mary were told that they could stay in the stable. Uh-huh. But I think that was a good place to go. Nice and warm. Yeah. That's disgusting. Good place to go. Probably better than the rooms at the inn. Oh, yuck. I heard it. What, what about the rest of the family? The pigs live well. What did it smell like upstairs? Well, they, they never, uh, it's a funny thing about odors. Over in Europe, they don't think anything of odors like we do. I mean, we, we, we get an odor of any kind. We have to cover it up. Mm-hmm. They don't. They, the European countries they didn't do that. They didn't cover up odors. They got so used to it, it didn't bother them. Wow. That's why, that's why a lot of people say, you know, the people over in, in Europe, they don't use deodorant. They don't use deodorant, right? I I remember because they don't they don't they're not offended by odors like we are. My we went to a, spray in the house and all you know. <laughs> well, they're yeah. not like that. First night we were in Germany. My family, my brother wasn't feeling too well, so he didn't go to dinner. So we brought him back home a cheese sandwich, for, and it was a type of cheese that smelled so bad. <laughs> so my brother. Yeah, you know, this is called brotherly love. He and I shared the room. He threw the cheese in the trash near, and put it near me rather than near him because it smelled so bad. I think either way, the room was filled with it. You couldn't get, well, I guess it really would be worse. Well, so you know, I would have I like, thrown it back. What did you do? I like Limburger cheese. Oh, dear. I just but didn't know where it was. I'll tell you what, it really tastes good. If They always say if you can get past the smell, it's all right. <laughs> You know, you do eat with your nose, too. People who cannot smell 
don't taste These things. European people, they, 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 the odors don't bother them like they do over here. Like you go in your house, oh, it smells bad in here. They get to the, the, uh, spray it out and spray it all around, you know, to make mm-hmm. it smell perfumey. Well, they don't do yeah. that. I think it's part of the attraction of buying a new car, because that new car smell, a lot of yeah. people like that new car smell. You know. But that, that's, that's, that's uh, 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 people over here, it's hard for them to comprehend, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. That's the way right. it is well, over there, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Got to get used to it. You you can't go over there and make them become, a, you can't Americanize them when you go there on vacations or anything. No. So. But. Have you noticed that's why Patricia hasn't left America yet? She, they're not Americanized yet. Oh, that's not true. Well, it would be a problem, though. <laughs> we have many European visitors here every year, and it is clear that their olfactory senses are different from ours. Yeah, it's they're, like they're trained we, differently. We went on a cruise in the in the in the Mediterranean. In fact, we went there mm-hmm. a couple times and had cruises. And we left in northern Italy. We went down the. Uh, to the boot of Italy, and we went across over into Egypt and all around that area. But um, when we got to the ship in northern Italy, there were busloads of people coming down from Germany. And this one woman, she came over, she says, oh, I hear you speaking American, I mean English. And I said, yeah, well, we're from the United States. She says, oh, she says, I miss it. I was a war bride and went to the United States with my husband, and when he passed away, she says, I came back to Germany. And she says, I heard you speaking, so I had to come over. Oh. You know, and she, we were talking, bit, you know, about that. But there was an awful lot of Germans on this cruise, because they are the, wealthy, the wealthiest country in Europe. And there was an awful lot of uh, Germans on the cruise ship. Was, so we're, was... sitting, we're sitting out by the pool. I probably told you this before. We're sitting out by the pool, and here comes these... People to come sit down and they they start changing into their bathing suits right there on the pool. Sure, <laughs> sure. Yeah. And then they had this place uh, uh, you could go to, uh, not like a sauna. It's I forget what it, you call it. Maybe it is a sauna, and a you sauna? go in there, mm-hmm. and it's uh, not separate for men and women. It's all one. And you go in there, and you'll see women sitting there, and the only thing they'll have is a uh, towel wrapped around their waist. Everything else mm-hmm. is exposed. <laughs> and it says the only people that stare are the people from the United States. They stare. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> because um, they're only not countries used. that have things as no-nos are attracting interest. I have a question. Uh, I have some old-time radio information that I want. All right. Are you ready? Yeah. I want you. I want you, please, to name an old-time radio show that had an animal or a pet, and cowboy horses are off the table. Well, use uh, Jack Benny's Polly. Very yeah. good. Get a parrot named Polly. I'm, yeah, yeah. That is correct. I never thought of that one. All right. Okay. You done good. Do 
Do I get a free CD? <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm not adding to the CD list, so please keep track of what you want. Oh, my and God. When I'm, yeah, when I'm all caught up, Hello? everybody has yeah. a free train well, over here. We'll just call that clear and start over again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I've, I've got quite a few done for you. <laughs> I knew that. Yeah. I hope I'm alive when I get them. <laughs> oh, geez. Oh, boy. <laughs> Oh, pressure to perform. <laughs> oh, John. Okay, that's I'll enough, get yours out enough, first. Uh, that's enough education for today. So. Okay, well, John, I am. I'm always so happy when you can come in and do some fun things like that. <laughs> that's all right. I'll let somebody else call. Okay, John. Thank you, and have a good week. Thanks. Thanks to you. Thank you. All right. So, I, I need to hear from Dave Kane because we're doing so many fun things tonight. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one is our number. You can give us a call. This is the number you get Patricia on Saturday night. She won't be here normally on the other nights of the week for the number for you to talk. Show that. What? <laughs> Do I know what you just said? <laughs> no. That's why I did okay. it that way, you know. Okay. All right, I feel better. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, thank you. you know. Okay. Well, I've got stuff here. Do we want to do stuff? Sure. What would you like to do next? We have a whole list here. We've got history, radio premiums, radio quotes, fun stuff. I like want to poo. I want, poo. I want some poo. You want some Winnie the Pooh? Yes, give me some poo. Bless your little heart. Yeah. Thank you. Let's see what Pooh Bear has to say tonight. Um, it says, things are so much more grand and wonderful when your friends are there to share them. Uh, that's that true. was your that was that was your cue to say ah. I did. Look at that. That's true. It really is true. It really is true. And I may have done this one before, but I love it anyway. Mm-hmm. This is Winnie the Pooh talking. It's not much of a tale, but I'm sort of attached to it. <laughs>
early days or something. It was like a five-minute Western monologue. Okay. Do you remember anything like that? Well, was it the opening of... Uh, because, you know, Death Valley was on radio for about 20 years. Yeah. Before, but, uh, before this, it moved to TV. This was back in the 90s, and they had it, uh, you know, like... Uh, some of the other men, they like Paul Harvey, or maybe a short monologue right. like that. <laughs> maybe it wasn't Dale Robertson, but I was thinking of him. But it could be, <laughs> you know, and, and he just passed away. I talked to him one time off the air, try to arrange a date to come on the show, but uh, it could it could have been. He, I think, occasionally he would be a spokesperson, uh, but I don't know what it would have been. Um, well, maybe I was just dreaming of it, but you know, yeah. you, you go along and you just happen to think of these things, and that's the only thing you can do when you get to be uh, 87. Just think about it. Um, I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, all night soldiers. I'm looking, I'm looking. Well, I remember I'm when Robert, I was thinking of Westerns, I was thinking of Robert Mixon, remember when he was the spokesperson for beef. You know, uh, Robert Mitchum was? Oh, yeah. My goodness. Yeah, the Beef Council of America had him be the spokesperson, and he he was the one that had the cash phrase, what's for dinner? Beef, oh. you know. Oh, it, and, hey, and don't touch that dial. Yeah. Time mm-hmm. Blondie. Very good. That was the opening of Blondie? That was the one. Yeah. Thank you, John. You're going to make a sane person out of me yet. Okay, what's the name? Of, what was the name of Blondie's dog? Boy, I can't remember that. Daisy. Mm. Very good, Patricia. Thank you. I still think Jim Taylor <laughs> and Ron Wood should have a, a Blondie marathon, but that's just my opinion. Hey, and and the uh, comedy could it have been uh, Fibber McGee and Molly, or was that named? Comedy for that uh, what? that uh, was number one in those days. People named Jack Benny and uh, that's Walden's question, John. I'm I okay, can't. I'll, I'll go over the question with everybody. According to our historian that we're going to talk to on Thursday, there's one radio show that's overrated in terms of ratings. In other words. People remember it so much more today than if you look at the ratings back in the 30s and 40s. It was not heavily listened to, and it was not, it was not a comedy. It was a famous other show. Oh, well, I and and you were saying that he thinks it was overrated. Yes, he said. He said. He said. In other words, today. No, back then. If you look at the ratings, it was not heavily listened to. Right. But I think you opened with he thinks this was a really popular show, Is one that people recognize today, today, but he thinks it was overrated. Did I get that correct? Right. In terms of the rating, not the quality or anything, but in terms of the, if you look at the actual listenership, yeah. it's a, not that, if you really want to analyze it, not that many people listen to it. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you're, let me make sure I've got this correct. We've okay. got an old time radio show that really wasn't too hot in old time radio terms, but the shadow knows. And that's it, Patricia. 
he it has he, to be those are the people because i i said it to somebody the other day what evil lurks in the hearts of men and the person knew it right away correct he, he has a theory. probably had never heard yeah he has a theory he thinks the shower was written by young boys and that was mm-hmm. and they grew up and they still remember the opening and things and so he thinks the, the show legendary status is due to that demographic but if you look at the numbers the ratings it wasn't that highly listened. Now, partly, yeah. you know, it was on Mutual for all those years. Maybe Mutual, you know, want, they want the top three networks. So um, they didn't have the advantage of being on NBC or CBS or mm-hmm. one of those platforms. What other program, and John, I want to ask you this as well, what other program had such a powerful and startling opening? more so than The Shadow? And that's really a free-for-all I, question. I think, I think there are two. Superman. That's a good one. Superman. Ooh, that's good. Okay. I, I think there are two shows that would has legendary status that would be probably... I think one of them is more well-known and the other one would be on the same level. Mm-hmm. I think what topped The Shadow is probably the opening of The Lone Ranger. Mm-hmm. And this, the other one I would nominate is Inner Sanctum with the squeaking door and everything. I think that's somewhat, it's more remembered because of the opening yeah. than the show itself. Well, it was very important in those days to have the opening. It really was. If you think about all the shows that Hyman Brown produced, he produced Dick Tracy, which has a great opening. Uh, Terry and Pirate had a great opening. He also produced Grand Central Station, Inner Saint. The, 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 a lot of main shows he had, he made sure it had great openings, and that's why I think they're still remembered today because of the opening. Uh, uh, do you guys remember how the opening of uh, Terry and the Pirates was? Terry! Ching, ching, pong, pong, ching, ching. That's right. Terry and the Pirates. But uh, and, and and the thing about it in those days, mm-hmm. there was laws. They couldn't have a commercial over so many minutes, and so many things you tune in today on TV, and every five minutes they have five minutes of commercial. I know. No wonder the guys make so much money. <laughs> I'm going to start a TV show. <laughs> All you have to do is start TV commercials. Yeah. But we'll pause. We'll pause for station content next here on. Yes, yes. We we interrupt this commercial, commercial. to bring you a program. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Well, the, the hot thing now is, and it might only be daytime TV. I don't know, but they'll go through a whole run of commercials, and I'm talking six, seven, and eight commercials, and then put up the. I don't know, the, the what would you call it, like a homepage for a television show, and say the words, closed caption TV is brought to you by, and then they go into another string of commercials. Okay. And the thing of it is, uh, they maybe have 15-second commercials, and they talk so fast that commercial yep. was by, and I didn't even know what the, yep. the commercial uh, was. Yep. Or they, and then they say the phone number so fast, you couldn't write it down if you wanted to. You'd have to. Mm-hmm. Write the, 
It was interesting. Last year I went over to ESPN Radio and talked to the sales team. And they said nowadays it's not important to give out a phone number. When you're buying air, they expect you now get to give out a website. They don't want you to give out a phone number. Oh, well, that's, that's interesting. they do have uh, where they are supposed to call. Uh-huh. They don't even do <laughs> that. That was one of the sales pitch. And the yeah. other thing that caught my ears, um, you know, nowadays, especially on the weekends on radio station, info commercials, you can uh. find... Uh. I called WOR out of New York, and they were completely full. And they normally, and their info commercial clients have been on at least a minimum of four years or better. How much do you think they wanted to charge for one hour on WOR on a weekend? Just for every week. What do you think the ad buy would have been? I would think Hugh Hefner would know. He's probably <laughs> one of the few who could afford it. I don't know. And and and, and millions. And, and, I I would say I would say you're talking in a million dollar hour there. Well, this is New York radio, and this is, and, and and this not. Oh, this is radio. I'm sorry, is, not television. This is okay. Radio, and this is, and this is, and um, and this does not include producing the content. This is just buying space. This is this is the airtime. Yeah. Okay. Mm, I'll go for two fifty. More. Two hundred. Really, half a million? It, 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 I'm, I'm talking per hour. Per week. I'm just giving you the one hour rate. I'm not giving you. Yeah. It is four thousand an hour. Four thousand? Yes. Well, well, that's pretty cheap for an hour worth of commercial time with a product that you know is going to sell. That's pretty good. Well, but I'm thinking, you, then you have to go and produce the, sh- the show and the content. Mm-hmm. And that's an additional cost. Right. And uh, and to produce the commercial, they have to pay everybody for that. Right. So. Right. Yeah. But I, just, I, just, well, I think for airtime, I think that's that's pretty reasonable. Boy, I would hate, I would, if I'm an individual entrepreneur, you know, mm-hmm. You would think twice before you went ahead and flopped down your twenty thousand a week or your twenty thousand a month. Boy, you? yeah. I would. But you know. But, you know, but uh, I, I don't think four thousand dollars an hour is really cut for the entrepreneur. I think they're going to have to sell some stuff before they're confident enough that they can get. How? My gosh! What are you going to advertise for one whole hour on radio? Most Something that people cannot see. Most of them always, it's some, if you listen to info commercial on radio, it's mostly some health product. Vitamins or, or uh, whatever. The, okay. the, the All right, product. I got it. Larry King does this now. You know. But, but, but you know, remember when uh, Jack Benny was on, on those, they would, uh, and Jack Benny, when they had uh, cigarettes right. on TV anyhow, they just kind of talked into it and would and would give the the what was it, LSMFT? Mm-hmm. Uh, a few words and that was it, you know. It was interesting how Jack Benny did the show. He made a deal with American Tobacco. They didn't cut his middle commercial. That was left up to Jack and the writers. They stayed out of it. But you listen to, I always thought it was interesting, and I didn't realize this until recently, the 
commercial in front and a commercial in back for Lucky Strike were always done out of New York. And those were live. Mm-hmm. And then, then they would switch it to Hollywood for the show. Oh, mm-hmm. that's gracious. You know, so L.H.B. Greg and all those tobacco auctioneers were based in New York. Yeah. And, you know, later when they started to integrate it, but, but I got thinking that that's a, that's definitely an interesting approach that they would just do the commercial part in New York. Yeah. And the, tr- the, the content was in Hollywood. Yes, and it's interesting how many people, uh, from old radio shows, I remember uh, uh, me and my wife Belle. Who? What program was that? Uh, uh, just playing Bell. Uh, no, 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 no. Lorenzo Jones. Yeah. Lorenzo uh, Jones. He went on to be on TV. Yep. Uh, Carl Swenson. Yes, yep. and uh, uh, and I remembered that name, and all of a sudden he was on. I think it was Little House on the Prairie, right. where he was the uh, um, mill. Man mm-hmm. had the timber sawmill or something like that, and then I've seen him in, of course, other things. And of course, he's passed away now. But uh, yeah. it's interesting how many people from radio went on into the movies. It's interesting that those those really big New York and Chicago radio actors, there were just a handful that had did so many shows a week and. The West Tremaine, the Carl Swinton, the Marvin Miller. You guys want to guess how many shows they might have done a week? And these were the guys, especially with the soap operas, is you count the show and the repeat. How many shows a week do you think that might have, especially in, in the 30 up to the middle of the war? What, what, the top radio Four. actors, how many shows a week do you think they were doing? 40. John, you want to guess? Oh, I'd say uh, maybe 15. Patricia, almost right. 45 shows a week with the no top. No kidding? Yeah. You think they'd be... Did they have time to go home and take a shower? No, but a lot of time, West Tremaine, some of the guys would hire a cab waiting for them. Yeah, to go to the other oh, state. Oh, go from studio to studio, yeah. 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 That was quite interesting. Yeah. It was... Well, if they could afford to do that and have a cab outside waiting for them... Plus the livery fee. They must have been making some pretty good well, money. Plus, a lot of them would hire a stand-in to be there for the rehearsal that would mark up their script for them. Mm-hmm. You're right, Patricia. They had to make pretty good money if they were doing it that way. Yeah, and, and the thing of it is, they had to be expert readers. Yes. Because going from one show to the other, how many times could they actually rehearse for a, a, another show. Well, Tremaine mentioned a few times, uh, he would run into the studio, not know the show, be having the script, and they whisper him, you, uh, you got two parts, you're in the Chinese man and the garbage, the garbage man. Oh, good. And just read it cold. And just didn't know. That, that raises an interesting question for me. Walden, when, when we can take a break here, would you turn yourself down just a tiny bit or back that. up maybe? I can do that um, right now. It, the question, when you've mentioned multiple shows in multiple studios at different times, right. and the question that always came into my head, and I never said it out loud, was when these guys were doing character acting, 
they had to drop a character in the gutter on the way to the next studio mm-hmm. and pick up a whole new character. Now, if I'm, t- if I'm going to be a Southern Belle, gosh darn it, it's hard to drop using a Southern accent when you're going to be a character out of the pits of New York. Right. Well, just like Lum and Abner, they did uh, their own characters, uh, mm-hmm. several of them, and you would kind of wonder how they could keep from getting all goofed up. Yeah, well, some of, some of them were correct. Um, Amos and Andy, the, all of the characters were done by two people, almost all of them. Right. Yes. Were done by the two people. They had one guy come in on Amos and Andy who was one of the lawyers. Not Lightning. No, uh, uh, Lightning was the... Uh, Calhoun. Yeah, Calhoun. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, Algonquin J. Calhoun, right? That was so cool. It was somebody else they didn't have for a very long time, but they dropped him in as an attorney. And not only was he a terrible actor, but he was clearly a white actor trying to sound like a black actor. And it was almost a disaster. How did that happen, Walden? Could have been a friend of a friend. Must have been. Certainly wasn't but, from acting. But, you know, how some actors handle different characters and different dialects, they would he, mark up... He their, didn't handle this one at all. No, but you were asking about somebody who had mobile... mobile oh, yeah, okay, we backed moving, up, okay. What they, a lot of them did, some of them did, they had different colored pants. So in their mind, they knew when they used a red pen, red ink, blue ink, green ink, that they need, I need to be in that character mode. So that that's how they kept it straight in their head. And so, so well, and, yeah, and I, I was taking it a step further. They kept the characters straight in their head, but the way they spoke, they actually had to change their whole being. Right, and that's what I mean. So if you, if I if I, if I was going to draw it in red, I might know I need to use a Spanish accent. Mm-hmm. If I do blue, uh, it might be a a guy from Brooklyn. I don't know. I mean, right. That's so, and and well, all right. So I've got red for a Southern Bill mm-hmm. and blue for a a real a doll York. from yeah. Damon Runyon. Oh, right. What if it's in and, and and so I can see these people in my head, mm-hmm. but they also had to consciously drop the Southern Bill accent. It's a very hard one to get out of your head once it's in there. And then hop over to New York, which is another very hard one to get out of your head once it's in there. But they did it, and they did it flawlessly, I think, except for the the Indian grandmother who sat around the campfire. And I'm not kidding about this, and I mean no disrespect to anybody. She sounded like like, um, she was out of New York City in the Yiddish community. (laughs) <laughs> and you could hear as the longer she went in her lines and the show progressed, she went from this character, you know, the, the um, characterization of an Indian woman and gradually moved to New York and then gradually moved to Yiddish. It was, I wish I had saved the show. It, it was astounding. Uh, she is, sounded uh, like a Jewish grandmother when, when they got finished. Another interesting example, Marvin Miller was a very capable guy, and he also was an announcer slash actor. How he did it, he went to some 
when she went to the advertising agencies and told them that he was an announcer. So that's how he picked up. Then he went to the directors and told them that he was a director. And so on <laughs> some, so on some shows he would have two parts. And one time he was the announcer Saturday morning on the Billy Burke show, and he picked up another a second role. And this particular t- episode, he picked up a third role. So he was the announcer for two parts. Well, the writer forgot, and so they had him in a fight scene, and he was both characters. Oh, gee. And so they had a they had a the debate. Marvin, should we hire somebody to help you out in this fight scene? No. So he went ahead and they pretended that he was fighting inside the closet, but he was able to manage that fighting wow. with himself in the broadcast. Wow. Yeah, and this was all lies, so oh, yeah. there was no... Uh, and, and another thing that was amazing, their... Uh, boy, they, uh, uh, the timing... They couldn't talk too fast because, or the program would be over too early. So everybody worked, you know, they their their timing was just right in in their uh, their program. But step the step though when the announcer played tricks on you. Um, if they think uh, Andre Bruce was the famous announcer on your hip parade. Oh, he did he? No, he didn't. Never mind. And he was the one that shouted, you know, um, the top ten songs of the week, number one. So he was that main announcer, and he was opposite Basil Rysdale. And Basil Rysdale was this big, booming voice who was a trained opera singer. You you would recognize his voice when you hear the commercials. He very, you know, the deepest of those voices. But he had a tendency to read things slowly. Oh, dear. And they had, you know, 60 minutes with all that uh, word. You know, the Lucky Strike commercial had a lot of words in those ads. In order to get out in 60 seconds, Andre would read his part really quickly, and Basil would read it slowly. And so Andre got tired of this. So he figured a way how to speed up Basil Rysdale. And what he did during a live broadcast while he was, while Basil was reading his script out loud, Andre took his cigarette lighter and put his put his script on fire. That way and it was the one page going up in the smoke. So Basil, before he burned his little fingers, read, picked up the pace to read the script. And so that gave Andre enough time to read his portion of it calmly. <laughs> so announcers occasionally would play games that way, set each other scripts on fire. Yeah, there's, there's always something that can happen. Oh, I've yeah. Seen. <clears throat> well, listen, I'll let you folks go. All right, John. <clears throat> and uh, one more thing, and I can't remember her name. But the the lady singer that uh, brought uh, God Bless America on the radio. Kate Smith. Kate Smith. Kate Smith, yes. And uh, 
uh, they, uh, he, uh, Irving Berlin wrote the song, but it wasn't exactly like it was when she sang it. So he got that out and put it on, and they wanted that song to be the national anthem. Now, this is what I had read, you know, mm-hmm. some, many years ago on the computer, and he wouldn't have it. He uh, he said the national anthem is going to be what it is now, not my song. Hmm. So he was very when, patient. When did he die, Walden? 1989. He was 101. And uh, Frank was sort of kicking himself. He was in Las Vegas one time. And he saw the red sheet of Irving Berlin song, God Bless America. And it was a handwritten note. Uh, Ted, uh, here's, a, here's a copy of the music for God Bless America. I think this is the night that Kate introduced it. And that was the little note that went to Kate, manager of Ted Collins. Mm-hmm. How much do you think they were asking for this one page? And how long ago was this? Oh, my guess would probably been 35 years ago, probably in the mid-70s. Probably 100000 You're correct, John. They asked for $100,000. And Frank thought twice. Maybe he should have picked it up. But he didn't. What would be the value of it today? Guestimate. I would, wouldn't you think over a million dollars or so? I would reckon would, so. Yeah. I don't, I don't think so. What do you think? I, don't, I don't think there are enough collectors well, competing I, 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 for it. I, I would there think there might be a couple of people who really, really want it, but that's a competitive market in order to jack up prices. But I would think the but Library of Congress, or they, they might want it. It's fantastic what you read in the paper about once in a while where somebody will buy something and the price on it is unbelievable. Allow me to mention that the opening bid on a Frankenstein poster this week is ten thousand dollars. <laughs> the okay. top bid, the top selling price of on a former auction of a similar poster was over half a million dollars. When when I was a young man, uh, <laughs> I went to this drugstore. He was going out of business, went up in his attic, and he had dozens of old posters from movies. And he just threw them away, and I could have had them and never even thought they would be worth anything. I, I, I know of a family who had a movie theater from 1929 to the mid-90s. So you're talking a lot of years, and they finally sold out. They sold the, the theater. They had a video rental business. But he just so happened to keep one thing. Uh, oh. The family, the family got every movie, every new movie, those movie posters and those lobby cards. Every single one. So he kept them all. I wonder what that collection will be worth today, Patricia. Boy, I don't know. I'll call Heritage Auction. <laughs> they really have a nice selection of stuff up there. Yeah. I'll let you guys go, and I appreciate you talking with me this Thank long. you, John. Well, Thank you, John, for calling in. You have yourself a great week. Okay, and you guys do the same. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Every movie poster from 1929 to into the mid-90s? I, I think I'm going to commit Harry Carey here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, you can't have every movie poster, but 
a huge collection over that span of time. My gosh. Oh, my gosh. Gosh, yeah. and a lot of it depends on which movies they were, of course. But well, it was, a, it was a, you know it was a small it was the small town theater, so they were showing all the blockbuster movies, so all the Frankenstein movies and yeah. Gone with the Wind and all those classics. I wonder that, what kind of condition they're in, because the the posters that went up were right. frequently out of envelopes that had they were folded to fit right. into envelopes, right. and sometimes the creases were very damaging. <clears throat> Excuse me. So it. I'd really be interested to know what kind of condition they're in. He's in he's in Florida. Maybe you want to drop over and put your hand, type, 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 type millions upon millions of dollars. What do you think? Well, yeah, I'll have to get, get my best shoes out. <laughs> <laughs> my newer pair of <laughs> Reeboks. <laughs> um, what, where, what part of Florida is he in? Uh, it's about three hours from you. It's over on the other side. Yeah. So... So the other Jupiter? side is pretty big. Jupiter? I want to say. Okay. All right. Jupiter. Sure. Yeah, I think it's Jupiter if I remember. Okay. I have to ask mom. All right. You know, actually, any place in Florida is drivable. Drivable. That's a good term. It's drivable. I mean, from from the tippy tippy yeah. of the Panhandle up north to Key West on the farthest southern point is only about 600 miles. So you can do that in a day. Hey, by the way, hmm. is it the crazy season for driving in Florida, right? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. <laughs> yes, it is. Hello, Carl. You're on with Patricia. Yeah, hi, guys. How you doing? Bye, Ralph. How are you? This is Ralph hey, in California. Hey, I'm always telling you we need rain. Yeah. We had a cloudburst over here. It sounded like a jet plane going over. Wow. How long did it last? It, it, it lasted probably 15 minutes. We're supposed to get it for about three to five hours tonight, tomorrow night. So I think we're getting some more rain, Ralph. So that, that's probably pretty good. Yeah, it is good. We sure need it. You sound very perky. Uh, no, not too perky, but I, I, I'm doing all right. Well, you sound better. You sound great. Oh yeah, I, I feel I, I feel a lot better. I have to return your two dollars. You still got my money? I still have, sure. It's up, I I put it up on my little bulletin board here. Remember. So it's the same two dollars, and I have to return them now because Martin Graham is is it Graham or Grams? I always get mixed up. It's Grams. Uh huh. With, with an S, okay. Yeah. Martin Grams has made inroads and will soon wind up with the Jack Armstrong information that he has been begging for for so many, actually years. We're talking years here. So, no so anyway, it's it's going to be accomplished. So I have to return you two dollars. Yep. So our, our protest finally heard. I kept knocking on doors. <laughs> I knocked on doors and pleaded. So. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna be nice to General Mills right now, and not have our stock brokers or stockholders right. uprising. Well, you know, maybe maybe we should just go ahead and do it and and transfer it into a positive, like Stan Freeberg, and say we want to support you now. That's a so cost. we have fifty stockholders <laughs> buying a share. <laughs> did did, did oh, money speech, that money by any chance pick up any interest? 
Well, you just got yeah, you should take. Why don't you take wait. it? To, take it. To have you have you looked at what the deposit, what the what the savings account rates are paying out? Yeah, but maybe it's less than maybe, half a percent. But maybe you yeah, went, not much at all. But, no, but, but you should put two dollars on seed biscuit. Say what? Well, two dollars $2 in what? Sea biscuit when he runs in the derby. Oh, put it on Sea biscuit. I know. It's been a, it's been a while since he's ran. It's been a while. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, even even Secretariat is <laughs> all gone. <laughs> Gee whiz. No. Okay. I, no, I have to return it, and I I will send appropriate interest on the two dollars. <laughs> are you gonna get? Are you gonna send him a, tra- a, a, a cashier's check for the two dollars? That are you gonna? I don't think so. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, we're we're going to take a chance and send cash through the mail. Now I know we have new listeners, and I need to explain this exchange that we're having. Martin Grams, who is probably the most prolific old-time radio writer with more books out. He forgets how many books he's got out. And he has been trying for years to do a book on Jack Armstrong, the all-American boy. General Mills would not allow – they've got the archives. They've got, they've got scripts. They've got archives. They've got transcripts. They've got everything in this library with an archivist and no access for anybody, even somebody like, like Martin, who has sent books, talked with the legal department, talked with the public relations department. I mean, it, it's just been a royal runaround. And we had the idea of taking a dollar, just a commitment, not Ralph is the only one who sent money, um, but a commitment for one dollar, and when we got to fifty investors, we would buy a share of General Mills and notify them that fifty investors were posing a real threat to them because they wouldn't release the Jack Armstrong information. So that's where this conversation has come from. Martin Grams will have very shortly access to the General Mills archive, and Ralph and Tony in California can have their money back. That's cool. How, you, how about you buy a Powerball ticket with it, and if you win, we'll, we'll split it. Oh. No way. I'm going to send it to you, and you can buy the Powerball ticket. <laughs> All right, but I may not split it with you if I win. Well, that's okay. If you just send me a tip, that's cool. The 49 cents, that'll that'll be fine. Is it 49 cents that we're up to? Yeah, but, you know, 10% yeah, of ten percent of the Powerball, that might, Patricia might be able to retire. Oh, holy cats. I could I could buy the town. I could buy my building, break million, through the wall, and have a double apartment. Fifteen million dollars. Wait a minute, you would move, wouldn't you? You need a little bigger space. I, I would get a bigger space, but I, I'm I'm not so sure. There's a heck of a lot of lifestyle change. I'd stop worrying. I, I, yeah, well, I think you would. I and think, that would make a difference. I think you wouldn't worry about money. You would work for me full time. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah. You could say I'm just not doing the show tonight. That's I'm not doing the show today. <laughs> <laughs> so, so aside from a 15-minute gully washer, I haven't heard that term in a long time. Do you, Ralph, do you remember what a gully washer is? Gully washer? Yeah, I, I know the term, yeah. It's called cloudburst. Yeah, well, a, that's, that's right. A gully washer is a really powerful rainstorm that fills up the gullies in along the you know the gutters along the street 
So it's a gully washer or a gully, you know, carved out of earth. But that's a gully washer. Yep. I did good. So how are you doing? How, how am I doing? Mm-hmm. Good, good. Went down to the... Uh... Went down to the Moose Lodge and brought our steak dinners home. Uh, of eating down there. Whoa! It wasn't dinner for thirteen bucks. You can't believe it. <laughs> well, then I think Ralph and Tony are on our any time on the calendar list. I think so. As long as it's at the Moose Lodge, I think we got a place to eat. Yeah. And we can curl up you know, in some place or something. Fancy, but it's good. Well, the only thing. Only thing is, they're open 24 hours a day. Cause Patricia and I can't eat breakfast at certain hours, you know. So do they do they serve breakfast at three in the morning? Uh, Sunday morning breakfast starts at nine o'clock in the morning, goes to two nine hours. Nine o'clock in the morning. I can hold out until then. Give you a great great breakfast. No grits though. Oh. No grits. Okay. What's your great breakfast? <laughs> what What is a great uh, uh, breakfast for you? Uh, I like all the bad stuff. Yeah, I know. What is it? <laughs> sausage and eggs and yeah, biscuits and gravy. And yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, stuff like that. There. I need to get out and eat more because I since I when I, when I got sick, mm-hmm. I lost about twenty five pounds. Wow. I'm down to about the weight I was when we got married. Is is that good or bad? Well, it depends on how you look at it, but I'm 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 heading down towards 210 pounds, and I haven't weighed that in half a century. Yeah, yeah, and you're pretty tall. Yeah, I'm I'm tall, but uh, you know, in my uh, my working years, I was up around 280 pounds. Wow. And then uh, I stayed at that weight for a long time. But I felt good, and I was, you know, physically physically strong, so. Yeah. It's amazing to look at our relatives' calorie intake. I mean, especially the mm-hmm. ones that work on a farm. Mm-hmm. I mean, a 7,000-calorie 7, uh, amount of food in a day was no big deal in those days. Yep. Do you know that 3,500 calories is a pound? If you eat 3,500 extra calories, and this is average, yeah. in a week, you will have gained a pound that week. So you're yep. talking two pounds worth here. <laughs> and they worked it off. Well, you know, my friend that I always talk about, the guy that was a weightlifter, uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, uh, he used to go in a Mr. Universe contest. Uh-huh. And wow. uh, years ago, two couples, we went to uh, Mallorca, off the coast of Spain. Uh-huh. And the waiter comes around, and he takes his Vic's order, and he ordered three entrees. <laughs> and the guy's looking at him and saying, you want this? Yeah. You don't want this? Yeah, yeah, I want this. <laughs> and, he, and he sat there, and he ate it all, but he used to work it off, you know. Yeah. My goodness, what kind of a bodybuilding routine did he go through? Oh, it 
it was endless. The guy never quit. If he wasn't lifting weights, he was thinking about lifting weights. That was that was just his life. Uh, yeah, I know. I know a guy who once. This was not uncommon. I think he said, with four Big Macs and six orders of fries. Oh a, yeah. Was a typical lunch. Ooh. That's, that's a lot of calories, right? Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. I would. He would eat like. Six eggs and ten strips of bacon, and then he'd have uh, sweet and low in his stuff. <laughs> well, he kept the refined sugar out of his diet. Good for him. That's funny. Oh, God, when he was getting ready for a contest, yeah. he would shave his body, and then yeah. he, would, he would lay under a sun lamp with a sheet over him. Uh, apparently that's how the weightlifters do it. He'd come up with some tan. Huh. Wow. Yeah. Not oh, a poor guy God. can't even move. Yeah, that's so sad. It is that, sad. Was, that was a hard thing for you to learn. <clears throat> well, I have some can you answer this questions tonight. Oh, okay. All right. Um, first, I want to know, which, in your opinion, was a dominant genre? Was the detective shows in a dominant category, um, comedy, drama? Which ruled radio in your mind? I'm a comedy fan. Okay. All right. Not, not as well as the comedies. Okay. All right. I can accept that. Now, the second question. I need the name of a program that had an animal or a pet in it, and the cowboys are off the table. No cowboys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I mean, no, no, wait a minute. Let me, let me rephrase that. No cowboy horses. Yeah, he named a ton of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, he named the one that I was thinking of. And that was? Was uh, Daisy, Dagwood and Blondie. Uh-huh. Ah, Okay. But then she, remember when she had the pups? Uh-huh. I don't think Did she have them on television or just in the comic strip? I, don't know, I mean, did she have them on radio or just in the comic strip? I believe they had a, 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 on, the, on the radio also, also in the movies. They made a couple of Blondie movies. Mm-hmm. Well, then do you recall if it happened on radio as well? I think it was more the comic strip, but uh, we don't have all the radio, so I would think my guess would be the comic strip for sure. Could have happened. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't think the puppies had names. I don't recall ever seeing anything about the puppies having names. We, we, could, we, we could ask Jim Taylor. Yeah, right. Poor Jim. <laughs> Poor Jim hates, hates Blondie, and I sent the show to him. On Walden's Say So... Jim, I did not do this on my own. I can get into enough trouble. I thought it was a perfect Christmas gift for him. I thought it was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> I did think. Okay, give me another one. Got to think of one. I know you can, can you, do it. Can you pick Lassie? Hmm? Lassie, very good. I, All right. I don't think I heard that one. Nope, you didn't, and that is great. You got it. Now, 
you know, Lassie has to be very important, don't you think, if she had a stand-in to do a stand <laughs> <laughs> sound effect for she has. She had a voice stand-in. <laughs> That's funny. Well, Lassie was a, a male dog. Yes, still is. Yeah. I, I see the trainers uh, who train Lassie have a website. Mm-hmm. So I've been thinking about having them on the show. I thought it would be a different slant for us. But, uh, you know, we're not, we yeah, might that get would to be that. fun. We might get to that. That, that would be fun. That would be fun. Okay. I know you know at least one more, Ralph. Mm. 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 I think I'm stymied. Okay. Well, I I gave sort of a hint a little bit ago when I I said um, cowboys were off the table. Right. And I corrected that and said cowboy horses are off the table. So that's kind of a hint. I just had a horse, a dog named Bullet. That's exactly the one I was thinking of. Good for you. See, I knew you could squeeze your brain. Only help me. I think that's fair. I've got a, one of the dollars is hers, so I think that's fair. She, she don't ever see that dollars. You send them to me. <gasps> I'll send it separately to her. <laughs> Wait a minute. Okay, whose wallet did these two dollars come out of? Oh God. We we, we don't have. <laughs> you can't even remember having sent it. I'll bet. It's for one fund over here. Say that again, please. We don't, we don't have separate wallets at all. It's all in one fund. Oh, so you've got a community fund. Okay, that came out of the community chest. Yeah. That's fun. That's fun. Well, Ralph, you've done good. I've got some comedies that I have set aside for you, and uh, I will get them out to you ASAP. But I know that that's something that you are interested in and you're looking forward to, and I have failed everybody. Yeah, those are my favorites. Okay. All right. We'll get some out there, and I do have a list of what I have sent out to everybody, so I don't think we're at risk of duplicating anything. Huh. Yeah, I did I good. look forward to seeing them. Again? Listening to them. Well, then help me here. I tripped yeah. over him. Uh, he'll look forward to listening and listening to them. Ah, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I can do this. I know I can do this. Okay, Ralph. Well, you have yourself a wonderful week. I'm glad you're feeling better. Gosh, that is so good. And... um you're going to have to report on dinner again next week. Yeah, well, we don't do it every week, but, you know, it's uh, the, the first Saturday of each month is steak night, and that's a real that's a real big draw over there. Okay. For Walden's sake, when we make our rounds, we'll make it on a Saturday. I just thought we'd stay, stay over until Saturday showed up. What do you think of that? Oh, Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And then, and then he can say, "Thank goodness they're finished." <laughs> you can go home now. <laughs> uh, hey, listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get out of your hair. 
never in our hair, and I thank you for calling, Ralph. It's always good to hear from you. Yeah, nice talking to you both. You too. Good night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 714. Now, you think Patricia and I were stink after three days? What is no? 714 545 2071. I'm sure, yeah, I know <laughs> the old expression fish. Uh-huh. Fish and Company. relatives or guests both smell after three days. That's right. So, do well, we stink after three days. Give it a call. Yeah. <laughs> I think I don't think either one of them would tell us. They would they would just would, would, privately would, say, "Oh, thank goodness." Would Barbara say that your sister Barbara? If we come down to visit her for three days, Seven no, one, she she'd be pretty cool. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. Okay, I got some other history stuff here. Patsy Cline died in the plane crash on March 5th, 19... Wow. 19 what? 62? 63. Boy, you are close. Good stuff. Good stuff. I have a fun story about... (laughs) There we go. Dave, are you out there? (laughs) I have a fun story. It is so fun. (laughs) I I have a so fun story. Rex Harrison... Yep. He won he won an Academy Award in 1964 for his portrayal of Henry Higgins, Professor Henry Higgins, and he also did, of course, the stage performance of My Fair Lady. <clears throat> Both of these were My Fair Lady. Pardon me, I'm gonna. There we are. So anyway, he could not sing, and Henry Higgins had to sing. And his comment about it was, originally I had a block about appearing in a musical. I went to a voice teacher for a while, but that did no good. My range is about one and a half notes. (laughs) I ended up talking the musical numbers, which was revolutionary at the time, but the lyrics, and this is in My Fair Lady, the lyrics are extremely intricate. They move along like a precisely acted scene. If you miss a word, heaven help you, the orchestra just rattles past like an express train, and you've got to run like the devil to catch up. I think he probably was a fun person. Well, he was a character. There's no doubt about that. that was he really? Yeah. Was he empty? Uh, well, he, he, he was a devil may care kind of attitude kind of guy. Ah, okay. He was also knighted. He was Sir. Oh, yeah. That's my Sir Rex Harrison, yeah. Hello there. John here. Hi, Walden. How are you? This is Marilyn. Hello. Hi, Marilyn. How are you doing tonight? Good. Marilyn is in Texas. Yes, and I wanted to tell you that, uh, Walden, I love that uh, theme song that you gave uh, Patricia. You do? Yes, I do. Well, I I think we can I think we can knight that to being her official song. I think if I ever changed it out, I think there would be a, a major protest, you know. And it's yeah, very I, long, and people I are patient and listen to the whole thing. And I love it that you found something so special. And thank you, Marilyn, for liking it. Yeah. I mean, if I don't play it, Dave King let me know about it. So what can I say? <laughs> Oh really? Oh, oh. I mean, my gosh! I mean, you know, I 
you can't really go wrong with Perry Como. Um, right. And we can probably... Although, yes. I heard a Perry Como, I was listening to old music station the other night, uh-huh. and they played Perry Como with Memories Are Made... Memories are made, made of this, right? The Dean Martin right, song, right. and it just didn't sound right. It did it very well, and he was such a wonderful singer and so easy to listen to. But this was definitely a Dean Martin song. Well, he was honest. You don't think so? I'm just thinking because that's a beautiful. I I think I know which one Perry did. And is that the one backed by the Ray Charles singers? I don't know. Now, did Perry Como actually write that one about Trisha? Or no, I don't what? think so. I don't think I don't think he wrote any songs. Uh, oh. You know. Oh, let me go check. I mean, I I don't know. I never looked. Let's see, Perry Como. I, I, okay. I, you know, one of the great songs he had that I love, um, "Catch a Falling Star." Oh, yeah. That is such a beautiful... That became his signature song. It really did. With that and the Ray Charles singer backing him on that. Now, Bing Crosby sung that song, too, right? I wouldn't be surprised. Because Crosby, especially on radio, he would have done a lot of that like that. Yeah. Um, I think it's fascinating, though, that Perry Como is one of those singers who, you know, started in the 30s, and he was still going strong 40 years later. I mean, he had a top, he had a big hit with the song, uh, How Much, so, uh, I Love You, So Much I Love You. You know, oh. the, the, and I've been thinking, that's still incredible to have such a long career, and you could have wonderful songs like that 40, 50 years later and still respected by the public like that. It's just, you know. I'm still looking here. I can't find that he wrote any songs. Oh. But I'm, I'm looking for Ray Charles singers here. It was, it was so sad. Um, you know, he and his wife were married for almost 70 years and once she passed away, the close friend said he was ready to go. He just went, he just, you know, in the last couple of years, uh, he loved his wife so much, he just, just you know, once she, she once she went, he was, he, she was ready. Yeah. You know. And they had some kids, I've looked them up. I, I would love to have one of those kids on the show. Uh, did you know he, Perry Como was just all the, it was just an interesting part of Americana. Is he still alive? Nope. Been gone for about since 2001. Oh. So he's been gone for almost 15 years. Wow. Um. You know, you, you know he, you know what he did before he was a senior? What? He was a barber. That's right. Oh. He was a singing barber. He was a barber. He worked in his dad's barber shop. So he's and he sang. And so he had he a trailer. sang in the barbershop, yeah. Oh, Patricia, I was going to tell you that uh, I was thinking of the, uh, when you were asking what animal, what... Uh, yes, yes, yes. 
Um, Which program of, had an animal in it? I was thinking of uh, Sky King. You know, he had this police dog. That's right. Boy, are you good. All right. Well, Ed, this is a whole lot more than I ever expected. Very good, Marilyn. You're on our wall of fame. Oh. <clears throat> Another pericomal uh, story, Vic Damone, pretty good career mm-hmm. over the years. Um, he, went, he ran an elevator in New York, and Perry stepped in his elevator, and he told Perry, I wanted to be a singer. And so Perry said, okay, sing. So in his, oh. in his elevator out garb, running an elevator up and down, that's how Victimo did his audition by singing the Perry Como in the <laughs> <laughs> It worked for him. Uh-huh. My gosh. My gosh. So what's happening out there in Texas with you, Marilyn? Nothing much. It's uh well, we cooked outside. My husband cooked outside today, Ooh. and uh, we had chicken fajitas. We had yellow squash and broccoli and mushrooms. And wow, yeah. we're coming in your house too. Uh, that that's I, I like stuff like that. You know, sounds wonderful. Does he have a special seasoning or a special? Uh, no, well, sauce? the the fajitas were already seasoned. They were okay. they came in a bag. You know, uh, have you ever heard of H E B? That's the grocery store that we go to uh, here in Texas. You know, nope. Oh, Don't know it. Hit right, pick pick wiggly. Now I've heard of that one. I've, that one. I know. I'm trying to think. They're, South they're, Carolina, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it's also in the Midwest. I think my mom grew up with a piggly wiggly. Grocery store, and I think there's another one that's a cute name like that. Mm-hmm. Knox or Docs or something like that. Do you know how Piggly Wiggly got its name and why it was named that way? I do not. Do you know? I do. Oh, right. I do. I cannot recall the owner's name or the, the person who opened the chain. But when he was asked, why did you pick Piggly Wiggly as a name, he said, just because people like you would ask. It was his publicity stunt. Wow. <laughs> and it worked. I mean, everybody knows what a piggly wiggly is. I think. And that that was his answer. He did it deliberately, a really wild name, to keep it going in print. I know you all were talking about Winnie the Pooh. My daughter used to love Winnie the Pooh. You know. Oh, Winnie is such a good thing to love. Yeah. It is, you know, He's sweet. He's it, just got a, a a sweetness about him. Yeah. I remember all the little kid records I had of Winnie the Pooh as a kid, so that's how you I You did have them. them. Oh, yeah. The ones that you had to turn over? These were like LPs. They were like full-line story kind of thing. Ah, okay. I, I listened to him through the Disney Channel, you know, the... Um, yeah, that's when my right. daughter was little, you know. I remember watching that as a kid, those uh, Winnie the Pooh. It was always, as a kid, it was always around a tree for some reason. The right. honey bear tree. Yes. <laughs> that, was, that was the honey bear tree, yeah. He had to wait till go on a diet. He 
he had what? Stuck in the, he, got yeah, stuck, he, his, he got his body stuck. Or his, he got stuck in a tree and he had to go on a diet. He had to go on a diet. Trying to eat too much honey or something. Right. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Yeah. Oh, well. Do you like honey? Who likes honey? I do. I love honey. Walden? Sometimes it's almost too sweet to me. It, it can be overpowering, yeah. yeah. I, I you do really like need just a little dollop uh, of it. Do you know that there is a sugar-free honey? That sounds sacrilegious to me. But it tastes just like honey, though. You can't tell. Wait a minute. Really? Uh, auto, oh, yeah. Auto bees work so hard. It's a squeeze bottle, you know. Yeah, huh? Auto bees work so hard, and we just want to take all this fun away from them. And, and sometimes I put it on my English muffins, mm-hmm. you know. Ooh, that sounds yummy. Oh, yeah. Ooh, that sounds yummy. I'll have to look for the for the sugar-free one. And you say it, it tastes okay? It comes in the, yeah, it comes in the stores, you know, uh-huh. stores. Is it, is it with the honey in the store? It, I think like it is. Like side by side, like they, they put the chocolate syrup and sugar-free chocolate well, syrup I'm, I'm by side. Well, I'm thinking that it's with the honey or something, or, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Or I think I'm thinking maybe it could be with the ch- with the syrup, the sugar-free syrup too, or something. Uh, you know. Yeah, it's probably in just with the regular syrups. Okay, I guess. Well, that sounds cool. Okay, I guess. Uh, do they have sugar-free marshmallows? I wish they had sugar-free marshmallows. Uh, Please. Do we need to create some a new product? Please. No, but you know what else that I heard they had, Patricia, is the sugar-free Werther's caramels. Now, I haven't tried them yet. Hmm. They make chocolate, too, don't they? Yeah, I think so. Werther's, they make, they make a bunch of stuff. Yeah, Werther's, yeah. How about sugar-free tissue rolls? What do you think, Patricia? I don't With, think. Uh, I don't think. Nah. That's like sugar-free oh, honey. Um, shame, shame, shame. I, I've been used to so you much still, sugar-free you, stuff, mm-hmm. like... Because I'm a diabetic, you know, and mm-hmm. um, I'm just so used to the sugar-free stuff that I, it doesn't... The, Tastes like the real thing stuff, to me, yeah, stuff, I agree. Stuff with sugar bothers me sometimes, you know. But, yes, oh yes, it it really is. I've lost my taste for regular sugar. I mean, once in a while I really enjoy a treat, but it's not something that... You know, I, I just can't go overboard. I treated myself to a brownie one time from Perkins. Yeah. And this thing was a fudge brownie, which was great, with chocolate, you know, dark chocolate icing, which was really dancing on the edge. Mm-hmm. And then they put chocolate chips in it. They loaded them Whoa. with chocolate chips. Can you imagine? I mean, people would stroke out on these things. Right. I, I, remember the I couldn't I, eat it. I, Can you I, there was chocolate that I could not eat, Walden. Well, I remember you. Sh- so, uh, remember when you and your sister went out? Ordered and- me some. He found some sugar-free fudge mm. on this website, and he ordered it, and it was delicious. I remember what was it? Six months was it last year sometime? Mm-hmm. You, you and Barbara hit, went on the town, and. <laughs> Was it McDonald's before you hit, or whatever it was? <laughs> you had the sun. I don't know. Oh, Dairy Queen. Yeah, the Dairy Queen. Dairy Queen down at the beach. Oh, my gosh. And, and, and Barbara wanted extra 
Fudge, wasn't Hot, it? Fudge? Hot Fudge, yes. And so she, oh, wow. she convicted that Patricia, she had to go to Hog Heaven. Uh, and I, I, went, I went to Hog Heaven and paid a price for three days <laughs> on it, but oh my goodness, it was fun. My sister went to the counter and said, extra fudge, and then paused, oh, and she wow. said, I mean, really extra fudge. That and she said, really, really, I mean, I really like fudge. Well, she went to pick up these cups of, you know, a hot fudge sundae, yeah. and the girl had put two quarter cup, at least a quarter cup of chocolate on the side on top of what was on the hot fudge sundae. It was obscene. It was so good. <laughs> it was it was a very bad thing to do, but I did it. But it would have sent you in a diabetic coma, right? Or something? No. No. I, I'm I'm pretty pretty cool on that. No, I, I came home and Took a bath in insulin, <laughs> so I was, I was okay. But my goodness, my goodness, it was fun, Walden. I know. Well, was, when you know, it's going to be one of the benefits of heaven. You know, the sugar-free have the, the heaven with all the goody stuff. You know. Oh yeah. I, yeah. You know. We, yeah. I'll meet you at the chocolate counter. Get up there. Yeah. <laughs> meet you at the chocolate counter. So what have you been listening to this week? Well, I, I've, I've been trying to listen to Bill Bragg and Mike, but there's some stuff on their show that I don't care for, so I don't know. Is it the music? Holden's show, you know. Uh, um, is it the music that drives you nuts? What 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 do you don't like? It's the music, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, Mike Candy's music It's the one that drives me nuts. Oh. He has unusual tastes. You're right. And I, I mean that he's just got unusual tastes, and it's broad. He goes bumper to bumper, but yeah. he, it is an unusual preference on his part. And Bill Bragg, he always plays country, and that's kind of my favorite, you know. Uh. He plays the old stuff, too. He, you know, yeah. Bill, Bill has, uh, you know, he, he has his favorites. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Remember Art, the California guy who passed away over ten years ago? It, just sometimes she just was perplexed. <laughs> <laughs> when, That's a good word. Perplexed when. And, well, you know, we're talking old time radio and yeah. but country he, western. He it's just an odd combination. He would call me up and and said <laughs> and said, "There's Mike and his Bill, and there's Bill and." His uh, what's what, what's a proper wank? Cow wank wank music, you know. Just, uh-huh. You know. That's my expression. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Kicking music. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. I remember when uh, yesterday USA first started. I guess uh, when Mike and Bill had the live show or something. They they always played old time radio shows and then they had different guests and I really enjoyed that. Yeah. It 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 was good. And I don't know they, why they stopped that. They just love being disc jockeys. Yeah. They don't want to work. No. Oh, I didn't say that, Bill. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> I'm getting my coffee. <laughs> but no, it it takes work finding guests and things like that. And uh, 
they just they just love being disc jockeys on the show. Um, yeah. Cause that's what they grew up on, I think. I, me, I sort of grew up on the talk radio side of it, and so I have a tendency to create and bend the show that way. So we all. It's nice that Bill allows us to. Case you know, part of the secret is he doesn't listen, so I get away with murder. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Boy, he, and the boss doesn't listen. That's pretty rough, you know. You know, he 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 feels safe that I will not take advantage of the station. So he he's up there watching Humphrey Bogart movies. As Kim Bragg says, Bill loves movies long as Humphrey Bogart. So every time. <laughs> wow. <laughs> How many Humphrey Bogart movies did the guy make? I don't how many times do you think they might have seen Casablanca or the multi? That's what I was going to ask. How many how many times can you run through the entire library <laughs> and have to start over again? Yep. Well, that's, now that's what his wife said, Patricia. She said, Kim Bragg will say, Bill loves movies, long as it's Humphrey Bogart. So they, that's, oh. you know. Well, listen, I wonder what there is about Humphrey that appeals to him so much. Style, they, dialogue, speech, face. I, I think, I think if you look at the movie listings of all time, the great movie star, Bogart's always listed number one. Yeah. So mm. why? Why is Bogart, is it maybe the, the persona? And when, when you said Bogart is listed number one, when? Because he's the number one movie star of all time. You're kidding. No. Wow. It must be the persona that appeals. Yeah, he, 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 he did project a personality that could not be duplicated. No. I agree with that, but so did John Wayne. Right, but uh, see, I think John Wayne with the the great American hero type. Yeah. And... Bogart was sort of the, the, probably one of the very first rebels, I would think. Mm-hmm. It's a different persona. I would, I would guess if you asked people to put at the top of the list and they thought of Bogart, it would be in conjunction with Lauren Bacall. So it would be a Bogie and Bacall Correct. thing. Right. I would not have guessed him as a standalone. Well... The multi-falcon, you mm-hmm. know, Sam Faye, that persona was a big for him. Now, to me, I would rather choose John Wayne than Humphrey Bogart, uh-huh. you know, because uh, I like John Wayne movies, you know. Yeah, I, I think it's still amazing how much people love John Wayne movies today. It's still very popularly run. It, but the whole, if Martin said the Western fandom is really strong, even today. Uh, if you're going to produce a convention that you have some form of a, of a Western element to it, it will still get well supported today. And a lot of people just love their Westerns. Yeah. Which is why we have a Western station on television, I guess. Yeah, I guess, because when my mom, before she passed away, uh, they, uh, her and I mean, Les, my mom's husband, Les, that's all they watched. That's all they watched was Western Channel. 
Yeah. Hmm. Th- think of it. Remember in the, in the 50s? I mean, it seemed like it was just nothing but westerns on TV. If you look, You're right. If you look at the number of westerns, I can't tell you how m- when my brother and I would get home, my dad was working at night, so he was up watching us. How many TV shows were westerns? You know, in mm-hmm. A lot of TV shows were westerns because I remember... You know, Wagon Train. Yep. Uh, Bonanza. Wild Bill Hickok was there. Bonanza. Yeah. Bonanza, yeah. The Virginian. Uh, what else? Sh- uh, uh, Cheyenne. Yeah. Um, oh, Rawhide. I was thinking of Rawhide. Rawhide. Just tons of what? Did you say Wagon Train? Yep. And Jingles and Guy Madison. Guy Madison. Now, that was an interesting transition because not only did he sound handsome on radio, he was handsome on television. So he was able to carry it off really well. Well, if you even even look at Jimmy Stewart, here, you know, the every man... So look at later in the career, the he did a lot of westerns. A lot of yeah. people, hmm. a lot of people. That was an important part of their career. Yeah, I guess you can't go wrong with that. No. Even John Wayne tapped into it. He had a whole bunch of them. Oh yeah. So the moral of the story: if Patricia wants to be a, a be a movie star. We'll put her on a horse, and she'll have a fan base. Trying <laughs> <laughs> to get me on the horse. <laughs> Oh, dear. Oh, dear. I don't think so. Horses smell funny, you know? Well. I guess if you're a cowboy or a cowgirl, they don't smell funny. Mm-hmm. They smell funny. You can take a clothespin with you. That way, when you ride, you have defense. <laughs> okay. Well, I better let you guys go. But... All right, Melon. Okay, Marilyn, and thank you for calling. We haven't heard from you for a while, well, and I it's fun talking with you. Last week, but I couldn't get through, so, you know. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm glad you well, got you, in. you persevered. Thank you. Oh, I have a suggestion. Maybe um, what you could do is uh, some weeks say choose um, all the callers from Texas call or all the callers from Maryland call or, you know. Yeah, we could, we could, we could, well, maybe do a, a segment, you know, maybe yeah. take, take an hour and see how many people from Texas could call in. Yeah. Or how many from. And hop around the country. Uh-huh. Yeah. That will increase our number of states. It would. And cause That would be cool. That's a great suggestion, Marilyn. Great, Thank you. That's a great suggestion. We could give it a try. Now, what is your bad, what is your uh, bad shows, um, what, when, when do I listen for that? Cause Friday night, for, 10 o'clock Eastern. Or it be 9 o'clock that's, your time. That's 9 o'clock. o'clock our time, my uh, time? Yep. Oh, okay. Yep. Okay, and and I don't know. Texas hops over into another time zone, I think, a, a piece of it. But I think you're you're in the... Central. You would be in the 9 o'clock group. Oh. Yep. So, Friday, so that, that would be right. Yeah, 9 o'clock. And then I think, oh. I think Underscore Bill reruns some early Sunday morning. But who's awake? You know? I am. Oh, I was going to ask you if you could send me a, a CD of the awful shows, you know. Okay. Uh, you know, I've had a couple of requests for them, and I'm, 
it'll take time for me to separate them out because I've got all of them together with their individual scripts. Well, actually, I so told, I have to pull them one at a time. I told Larry oh. he, he got a hundred. If he gets Dropbox, then that that way people can have your commentary with them. now. Whoa! Oh yeah. Yes, that, that would be fun. That, okay, Larry, Larry will be able to help us with that. Oh yeah, because that would be that would be a nice set. That way, it'd be Patricia commentary and the show. Mm-hmm. It could be Patricia. Yeah, part, that would be good. Part one. Yeah. Sometimes part they're one. not awful unless people are influenced by me. Oh yeah. <laughs> yep. Richard Diamond and Stan Freeberg would just be live on in infinity because wow. of Patricia. Wow! Wow! Was I out on a limb twice and within? It, a year's yeah. worth of time. I have to go yeah. for three. Three is a magic number. Yeah. Well, I know other people are trying to get through, so... Uh... Okay, Marilyn. Well, thank you. And thank you for saying that, because there probably are people out there. So we will we will try again for next week. <laughs> oh, great. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. 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 All right, everybody. Go. I need to stretch for about five minutes. Okay. So why don't I, um, you want to go get something? You want me to call you back, Patricia? How do you want to do this? Yeah, why don't you call me back because then I will not get dumped later on. Okay. So we're going to do that. So give us a few minutes, everybody. I need to stretch and I need to go somewhere. (laughs) I think we could (laughs) have lived without that. Oh, we got such class and culture here. <laughs> this is so cool. It's up, it's up to your imagination what I meant. Nobody needs to no, use it. <laughs> but I think it's pretty obvious, so I'll be back. Exactly. Okay. I'll be here. Papa loves mambo. Mama loves mambo. Look at him sway with it, getting so gay with it, shouting no lay with it, wow. <coughs> Papa loves mambo. Papa loves mambo. Mama loves mambo. Mama loves mambo. Papa does great with it, swings like a gate with it, he loses weight with it, and now he goes to, she goes fro, he goes fast, she goes slow, he goes left. She goes right. Papa's looking for Mama, but Mama is nowhere in sight. <clears throat> Papa loves Mambo. Mama loves Mambo. Having a fling again, younger than spring again, feeling that zing again. Wow. <clears throat> Papa loves Mambo. Papa loves Mambo. Mama loves Mambo. Mama loves Mambo. Don't play the rumba and don't play the samba Cause Papa loves Mambo tonight Papa loves Mambo Mama loves Mambo She goes slow, he goes left, she goes right. Papa's looking for Mama, but Mama is nowhere in sight. 
Again, 
say the chapel bells will never ring again. No matter what will be, I must be yours again. So darling, say you're mine again. If I were to lose all the world and its treasures, who cares? Let it be as it may. As long as I have you beside me, I'll always be happy that way. Say I'll never see the rain again, and say I'll never hear a sweet refrain again, and say that I was wrong and I'm to blame again. But darling, say you're mine again. Peanuts. 
little touch of Charlie Brown there, eh? Oh yeah, I I, I was gonna I needed I needed my snack. Peanuts. You're a good Charlie Peanuts, Brown. You know. Yeah. Oh, that's You're what right. I have in common with elephants. Peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that's the only thing. <laughs> no, I I know it's the only thing you and I have met. Well, you, you, you didn't, didn't, did you like you my trunk? Change. You didn't change in the meantime, did yeah. you? Did you like my trunk? That was, you know, only what, what, those are a pretty long piece of thing, aren't they? They are very long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we won't even touch the debates this week. Okay, Stonewall Jackson. Yes, my dear. Do you know what Stonewall Jackson's first oh, name was? I've read it, and I don't think I know why. I don't think, I do not recall... It was um, Thomas Jonathan Jackson, right. and he was, of course, a Confederate general. And as the story goes, it was the, the nickname was first applied to him at the First Battle of Manassas on July 21st, 1861, when the General Bernard B, B-E-E, told the men, look, men, there is... Jackson standing like a stone wall. That's one of the suggested quotes, but indeed it was at the Battle of Manassas, the first battle. Isn't that pretty cool? He was killed in battle, too. Sort of. Sort of? He was, wound- he was wounded ah. and had his arm amputated and died eight days later of pneumonia. Can you imagine? My gosh, surviving that and then yeah. succumbing to, to pneumonia. Yeah. Yeah. I know, I know. It just seems, I don't know. It just seems, you know. You know. You know. Okay. You know, there? you know. Hi, Carl. Do you know? <laughs> I hope I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Welcome, Celeste, from Texas. Great. How are there you? you go. I'm sorry. I said, how are you? I'm fine. Uh, I had a tough time getting in tonight. I don't know why I kept hitting the busy and the busy, but it was so interesting to hear you talk about Irving Berlin. Um, I read a biography of him, uh-huh. and uh, when he was a very shy man and didn't, he didn't like to give interviews. He was kind of a loner, you know, in that way, and uh-huh. he didn't hobnob with the musicians or stars a, a lot, you know. There's a very, I've forgotten what his real name is. It is not Irving Berlin. Right, I've forgotten, too. Uh, I've forgotten, too. Uh, yeah, he changed his name. We need to look, name. I'll look. Yeah, I think, he, he was, I think he was born in Russia. Or if folks were from Russia. It was, it was yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, and they came to New York. Right. I, I'm not sure if he, I guess he was born in New York, but he was from, from Russian Jewish people. Yeah. yeah. Solaris, wherever that is. And I think he made rev- money in taverns, if I remember right. You know, singing songs or something in the well, early he days. Wasn't, he, he didn't like to sing at all. No. That's what's funny about him. Uh, every once in a while on Turner Classic Movies, they will show these little vignettes, old vignettes yeah. of, of, you know, and... Uh, one of them is so cute because it was for World War II, 
and I never saw it when I was growing up, but you can see them all on Turner. And he wrote, he wrote a cute song to kind of cheer people up, and all these people are standing on the stage, uh, singers, but they're dressed in cavalry outfits, you know. Yep. And uh, he wrote, he wrote this song, um, and it's called "Oh How I Hate get, to Get, get up, up in the morning. morning." Yeah, and they all sing in unison on that. But at the very end, he steps out, and he was a very small man, and he sings, "Someday I'm going to kill the bugler." <laughs> it's so funny the way he sings it. And he sings it by himself. You know, he's in the middle of all these GIs that are... Oh, I'm trying to think. Army, it was the voice of the Army... Oh, Army's in the title. It was a famous movie, too. Uh, that uh, that he... That is IMDB up here, let's see. And you want Army in the title. Yeah, let's it's see. Urban Boy and Army. And it wound up being a famous day show, too, besides... It might have been. I don't know. I've only seen it on film Mm -hmm. on uh, Turner Classic Movies. I don't know if it's part of a show or if, you know, if it, I I don't know if it was a music show or something, but it's definitely a patriotic show, you know. Uh Anyway, and I will, he didn't take many interviews. He was he was not a terribly gregarious person, and mm-hmm. that's why it's so funny when you hear him sing. Someday I'm going to kill. I'm going to murder the <laughs> But anyway, you know, I have a picture in uh, front of me, and he does look like a very, very small man. He's I, very short in stature, but very thin. So, yeah, I mean, he's, he's leaning the, over the piano, and yeah. the piano is up to his chest. It was the, yeah, the movie, yeah. The movie was called This at the Army. Oh, I was just oh, going to now. this is the Army. I have, oh. this is the Army, Mr. Jones. Right. And it was Warner at War, and that was the documentary. Let me see what else. Oh, okay, okay. Um, yeah. And the Brothers Warner, Dad's Army was a TV series. Right. Um, but this is the Army, Mr. Jones, looks like the big one. Yep, that was the show. Yeah, okay, okay. One, uh, one of the great stories I love about Irving Berlin, he was 80 years old at this time, and he was walking Central Park. He was with a, 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 you know, a caregiver or a friend, uh, and somebody ran up to Irving and asked for his autograph. And so he signed it, and he walked in the uh, autograph so he could walk away, and he turned to his compadre, his friend, said, I don't know why they wanted my autograph. I haven't written a hit song in 20 years. <laughs> that sounds like it. It sounds exactly like his personality. But the reason why this is so funny, it ties in with something. Weren't you all talking about the Grand Ole Opry yep. before tonight? Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, they asked Irving Berlin... <laughs> Why he thought about the Grand Ole Opry, and he he starts to say something, and then he says it's not, and you know he's going to say not music, and yeah. he says no comment. <laughs> Smart man. 
smart man. Well, you were both no right. comment. Born in Russia. He, was he born in Russia? He, he was born in Russia, yeah. and his birth name was Israel Isidore Balin. I think the last name Balin, right? B A L I N E. Oh, Balin. Or Balin. Balin, I guess. He just changed it a little bit then. Mm hmm. Yeah, Berlin, yeah. Well, anyway, I thought that was so funny. He started to give an explanation yeah. about what he thought about the Grand Ole Opry, and then he turned and he just stopped in his tracks and said, No, man. Yeah. <laughs> he and was he, a man of few words, so he could write mm-hmm. beautiful words. And very gracious, it sounds like. He had his <laughs> piano only in one key. I think he had it too in what, what, C, C sharp or some, something. Okay, in his mind, he he didn't have the much problem with the pedals, or whatever. So he had it. He had his panel. That way, he composed everything in the one in the one range, and that was it. You know. No, no. Actually, what he did was he um, had his piano tuned, and it had a lever in the back. That's what I remember. Yes, you're right. Yeah, but it was to change the. Um, Oh, he would write it. He could only write maybe in the key of C or F, and I've forgotten what. But this would change the keys so it would be in the... When he wrote it, if he wanted E flat, he would change this pedal so it would transpose it into E flat. How incredible. Uh Who who devised that system? Yeah. I don't was know. that his? Yeah, probably. Well, I, I I think that's just his own now, uh, because I I don't know. You don't hear very many composers doing that. But mm-hmm. I think he had that piano just especially made for himself, and yeah. he was a very slight man, you know. And the piano looks that's so the word big. I was looking for. Thank you. There. <clears throat> I yeah. wonder if he was one of those that kept kept composing until the day he died. And maybe he didn't bother to show the last twenty, thirty years to anybody. It, it was, it was in his soul. So mm-hmm. he, he kept, he kept it going, but it, it, he didn't care if anybody ever saw it. Yeah, yeah, that is very true. Yeah, and um, I'm trying to think of who he collaborated with. I think it was on a Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers movie. Somebody did write a few lyrics for him. Most of the time, he did his lyrics. He did his lyrics. He loved Fred Astaire. That was his favorite singer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They loved each other. Yeah, I I think it's because he just loved Fred Frasing and everything. That was his ideal of of Mm -hmm. the... uh, Now, one of my favorite Irving Berlin songs is I Used to Be Colorblind. Have you ever heard that song? No. Mm-mm. Till I met you and now I find It's a beautiful song And Fred Astaire sings it to Ginger Rogers ah. I was just thinking Dancing Cheek to Cheek With another Irving Berlin uh-huh. song Uh-huh Yeah No, this is I used uh. to be colorblind And the, the, the lyrics are so beautiful Um I have a terrible voice, so I wouldn't dare sing them to you, but it's... Uh, That's okay. Join the club. 
But Trish is having sun tonight, so that's okay. <laughs> I expect to be paid for that. Uh, well, I, you know, I still think the legacy he left America, from God Bless oh. America to White Christmas to Easter Parade, it's just incredible to think what he just left. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. And you know the Easter Parade, that movie, yeah. uh, with Judy Garland and uh, and Fred uh, Astaire, all of the music in there he composed also, and there there are some wonderful songs in that movie besides Easter Parade. Yeah. You remember who was originally going to do the part with Judy in that movie? Yes, it was Gene Kelly. And why he and the story is why didn't he do the he movie? He broke his leg. Doing what? I don't remember how. It's something silly. Yes. Roller skating? No. It's, all right, and Patricia, you would say you would say this is stupid, right? I mean, Gene Kelly, pretty good dancer, right, Patricia? <laughs> you, wouldn't you think you wouldn't you think he would want to? He be, was better than Fred Astaire. And wouldn't you think he wanted to protect himself, right? Yes. So you know how he broke his leg? Well, no, that's what we're waiting for. It was something he, stupid. He, he, he was playing a, he was playing a baseball game and he broke his leg by sliding into second base. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It really was something stupid. <laughs> I, I remember that it was something really dumb, the reason why, you know. And, wow. and, and Fred was retired. So they talked Fred to get coming out of retirement to do that movie. What, mm. Yeah, mm. yeah. Well. Except, really, uh, he, Fred Astaire was just kind of between partners I there. I know. And, yeah. He wasn't really retired. He just wasn't making a movie or anything like that. He, I think claimed, he, was, he claimed he was retired, but I think you're right. You know. Yeah, he he could never stop making movies. And what you know. what great state is Fred there from? Oh, let me guess. <laughs> <laughs> could it be Nebraska? How did you know, Patricia? No. Any, you any time you say. Patricia, you know Nebraska is a dumb state. Now, Fred Astaire wouldn't be from Nebraska, would he? I think he was someplace. You think think he was from Texas? You think he was from Texas? (laughs) Heavens no. (laughs) His persona and the way he carried himself made him look like he was from New York City from the stage, but he wasn't. He was a Nebraska boy through and through. Oh no! Oh yeah! Oh, you teasing me? No! If you look up, if you look up Fred Astaire and Patricia, we're about for by Wikipedia. Would you trust? I believe you, Walden. Would you trust Wikipedia? Would you trust Wikipedia for us? Let me see here. Omaha, Omaha. The guy was born in Omaha. Omaha. IMDb even says it. Omaha. When bands are on the road and they have to go there and they say, where are you going? They say to Omaha, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> they make fun of the name Omaha. <laughs> well, it's interesting that Fred is there for many years on Broadway. His dancing par- partner was his sister. Right. And his sister wound up having a long career on what TV show? 
Now, that one, I don't know. Is that Adele? Yes. Do I have her name correct? I believe Adele. you. Are. Adele. Adele. Uh, Adele. Mm-hmm. So, what long career, she was on a t- certain TV show for, I think, almost 20 years. Oh, my gosh. Huh. Oh, my what, goodness. Did it, was it a soap opera? Nope. But most people would say it was, even though it wasn't. It had for a... 20 years. Yes. Well, then I don't have a clue. It was Can a you date? tell me which years? Maybe that would it, help. It, from I would say from uh, in TV from the uh, uh, late forties up to nineteen seventy. Hmm. Hmm. And it was on five days a week during the day. Well, that and it wasn't kind of a soap opera. No nope. soap operas. No. Nope. So it was maybe like a talk show. Nope. Well, yes, it was a talk show. Somebody, so, in, they interview p- people every day. Now that I don't know. Don't know. Give up. Okay. She was on Queen for a day. Oh, my goodness. So Jack what Bag- did she do? <laughs> Jack Bailey, she was I Jack... I mean, I know Jack didn't dance. But, yeah, but she was Jack Bailey's assistant. <clears throat> huh. And how did she appear on television? Probably by handing things to Jack, I guess. Now, so how did Vanna, she... The Vanna White of Queen for a yeah. Day. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be darned. Yeah. I'll be darned. Yeah. Well, I never watched any of those things because I think those were... Hmm. Those were so sad. You, you, you had to be so sad in order to win prizes. That's how you won those prizes. Did, did those shows? Uh huh. What years would those? What years would that have? Oh, started in radio in fo- right after the war around forty-seven, and then it went to. When t- did it go to TV? Yeah, pretty soon after, like forty-nine. It was uh-huh. on a local station in LA before the network, and it was on for about twenty years. Oh my goodness! Queen, would you like to be? Queen. I I can remember that Boy, that hearing that yeah, but I don't. Can you have tell that. me why a woman who was so talented in the dance field would wind up passing cards on Queen for a day? Show me the money. Yeah, but I know. No, but you know she was named for herself by then. Happened because she retired from dancing with with Fred when she was young. Let's face it, a, a lot of dancing is a hard job. I mean, very, very, very difficult. And a, a lot of them, for a lot of dancers, are probably a very short run, you know, because their bodies. Um, sure. And sure. So, I mean, that's a heck of a pounding on your knees, especially. And it's stressful yeah. on the body, my oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My goodness. So, and right, remember, well, women have for you and everything. For remember, Ann Richards' old saying: women have to do everything that men do, only in high heels and backwards. <laughs> backwards. Okay, Celeste. That used to be one of the mains <clears throat> during the women during the women's movement. Everybody would say, "Yes, women have to do everything men do, only in high heels and backwards." <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, Walden, you have to transport a question for me here. I don't think Celeste can hear me too well. Um, which dancer 
was, in your opinion, better, Gene Kelly or Fred Astaire? Oh, gee. Um, I just, I kind of like them both the same because their styles were so different. You know, Gene Kelly was a very acrobatic kind of dancer. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes. And and very, very high energy and leaping from stair to stair and all that. Whereas, uh, to me, Fred Astaire was, a more now he was plenty high energy. I don't mean to say that he, he danced beautifully, but he was really more of what I would call a more sophisticated kind of dancer. Mm-hmm. If you see my best favorite things are when he danced with uh, Ginger Rogers. Yeah, and there's a movie that they're in. I think it might have been the. First, one of the first ones they did together before they became a team. And they do um, pick yourself up and dust yourself off and start all over again. It's a tap dance that they do, and it is just marvelous. But it's more of a sophisticated tap dance. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, Gene Kelly liked to do things on top of tall buildings and where he would get on a rope and come into the stage and all that. And that wasn't Fred Astaire's style. I I, I like them both. How about you? Do you have any thoughts? Um, I definitely think Gene Kelly would the every guy dance. Every guy would want to have Gene Kelly persona. Mm -hmm. Um... He had a warmth. He exuded a warmth. Yeah. You're right. He did. But I, did. I, 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 my understanding, Fred Astaire really took his dancing seriously. I mean, you were gonna, uh, you know, guys like Bob Hope and if they if they knew they're gonna be working, they had to be serious about it. Mm-hmm. They they weren't gonna yeah. mess around. I don't know why I was out on YouTube uh, maybe a month or two ago looking for Fred Astaire, or it may have just popped up as as a sequence to something I was watching. But that was one thing that was emphasized, what a perfectionist he was, absolute perfectionist. And then they were playing in the background Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire on a stage in a movie. I I say on a stage. It was like a dance floor Uh in uh, a club, and that might be the one that you're talking about, Celeste. I was mesmerized watching their feet and how well coordinated they were with each other. They uh-huh. never, never faltered an inch. It, it was just amazing. It's also, if you think about it, what? and Fred Astaire was a perfectionist, and let me tell you, Ginger Rogers. They did things on roller skates and everything, you know, and and her feet would literally be bleeding at night. They would do some of those shots 10 and 15 times. It tells you, if you look back upon Ginger in a lot of ways, she was a very underrated performer. She was a great comedian. Uh-huh. She was terrific a dramatic actress, too. I mean, five. And she, oh, I love the movie she won her Oscar for. Kitty Foyle. Kitty Foyle, yeah. that's one of my favorite movies, just, yeah. We, we, we always associate Ginger Rogers with Fred Astaire today. Mm-hmm. But you look at the other parts of her career, 
she oh was, yeah, she was no swell. She she was. Yeah, she was very, very. She was a good actress, yeah. a wonderful dancer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the last time they had them out together um, for some party, I've forgotten exactly what. And <clears throat> Fred was rather feeble. And Ginger went from her chair over and she put her arm under his and led him over to the table where he could sit down. Mm. So I think they did, I think, at least seven movies in the 30s. Or some, some good hunk number they did together. I looked it up one time. It's just, yeah. Uh-huh. You know. Oh, I'm sure it was at least that many. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. And, you know, after she left, she was the one that called off their partnership because she wanted to go on and do that. Right. Besides just dancing, you know. And so uh, he had some other partners after that. But <clears throat> there was a... Um, they came back together in the 50s, and I forget the name of the woman. They kind of had another one last rendezvous as a married couple, and uh-huh. they were dancers. I can't remember the name of that movie, but I think that was they, after they'd been apart for about 10 years, they did make one last movie together. Uh, I just can't remember the name of it uh, right now, but it's a good movie. I, I remember, and I think Patricia seen it too, four, maybe seven, eight, nine years ago. Patricia and I both saw this on YouTube. It was a copy of Oscar Levant TV show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it was a local show. I've and, seen those, and, yeah. And, and Fred Astaire was his guest. And I just felt Fred was totally uncomfortable yeah. being a guest on that show. You know, he probably was used to having... Everything worked out, and we faced with Oscar. You weren't quite sure. <laughs> what he, Amen. You know. Never knew what he was. It, it was. Say. It was almost Besides a tour. He thing. had he had cigarette smoke going in your eyes too. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But with Oscar, he was such a sober individual, and I think Fred was probably accustomed to a very lively environment. So it, it must have been a terrible experience for both of them. Well, I'm not sure why. Um, well, you know, they care. were in that movie together, and they were really funny together. It's the one where at the end they sing, there's no business. Like, it's, um... Showbiz, yeah. Um, oh, shoot. Sid Charisse, uh-huh. Oscar Levant. Bandwagon. Fred Astaire. Mm, can't remember who the other people are in it. There's an English guy that's in it that's part of the group. And um, what was I going to say about that? <laughs> now I've lost my Oscar, train of thought. Oscar anyway, about what a what a Oscar Le- he and Oscar Levant and uh, Fred have some funny exchanges in that movie. But I can imagine him not being Fred liked everything planned out to the nth degree. You know, just wanted it perfect. And Oscar was very casual. Yeah, <laughs> 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 shoulders and perpetual cigarettes. <laughs> very casual. <laughs> oh, 
one of the things I have buried in my uh, is now back at this house, and I have I'm looking forward when I pull it out and transfer it. It's the time when Dick Cavett has finished there at the guest for an hour. Wow! Oh, and, and that. You know, you know how good an interview Dick Cavett was, and yeah. still mm. and having Fred with him for an hour was so much fun. And I, I, once I get that transferred, we can get that up for people to rejoice. But uh, you know, those are some of Dick Cavett. Uh, they show those every once in a while because he was so good. And a lot of people would go on with him that wouldn't ordinarily give interviews. Yep, Catherine Hep- mm-hmm. Hepburn, one of them. Yep. Catherine Hepburn, you know, she very rarely gave interviews that didn't talk to magazines or anything else. Oh, boy. I, and she went on for a full hour with Dick Cavett, and it was wonderful. Last year, I had the opportunity uh, to be in the audience when Dick Cavett spoke from the Pacific Pioneer Broadcasters. Oh, uh, and he told a story about Catherine Hepburn, and he said we had a big negotiation to get her to, to be on the show. Yeah, and Catherine said I would like to drop over <laughs> and see the set. I want to see how it's all gonna be laid out. So she came over. And then she started to have the different prop guys move a chair here, a chair there. I want <laughs> this here, and you know, and, and you know, the interview is what a week, a week from now at you know later. And once she had the furniture the way she liked it, and she said, "Dick, I'm ready. Let's do it now." <laughs> Can you imagine? She, here, here he, and they had the audience were. With the you know the sound effect crew and the different uh-huh. people around the building, but uh, he had to go right then. You know he had no more prep time to get ready for Captain Hepburn, uh-huh. and that's how they pulled it off because uh, he was ready to do it right now. Mhm, mhm. Well, you know she could be a pain in the neck because. Uh, <laughs> She was such a perfectionist, and when she and Spencer Tracy made the last, um, I think it was the last Oscar she won, too, which was Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Yep. Uh, when she'd go on the set for that, if she thought something would get in Spencer, she was very protective of him. And if they, she thought that something would get in his way or a chair wasn't right or all that, she'd call him over and make him change the set there and everything, you know, she was, she could be a pain in the neck. Well, a classic story, I, I've read several biographies, and one of the better ones was uh, a guy who wrote, uh, took nine years to write the book, and he, she got approval from Catherine, but he, he talks about the very first day he met Catherine Hepburn, he had a thing, because her dad was a urologist. She said, Dad said it's healthy to go to the bathroom. So she insisted all her guests always make a bathroom stop a couple of times in a meeting. Every I, I've got that book. I can go back on my shelf. I can't remember his name. I, I, I read that. I know. I got over is, it, is it the one 
the guy that became a very good friend yeah, of hers is yeah, not to visit her yeah, all the time. Yeah, I've yeah. got that book. And I, I got that opening chap that opening chapter, what a, what a remarkable paint, uh, you know, in-person expression you get from <laughs> Captain Hepburn. <laughs> yeah. Go to the bathroom. Yeah. Go to the bathroom. I, my dad believed that you need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> oh, she bossed everything. She bossed in the kitchen. She bossed in the, you know, whatever people were doing. And she would tell that guy that was writing the book, you're not, oh, they had to play Parcheesi, and he had to learn how to play Parcheesi with Catherine and her brother. And he didn't like that game, and she'd make him sit down and play it anyway. <laughs> it's a good book. It's a good biography. Yeah. Very funny. It's a Buddy, I, I, when she came up with her uh, memoir, she read her own audio book, and it was a British version, so it's one of the things I enjoy, because, you know, she had such a, a unique and distinct speaking style, it's just, you There's could, not anybody who sounds like her, absolutely. No. no. Yeah. There's a very good, um, uh, on Turner Classic Movie, I recorded it, and I think I still had it. Mm-hmm. I watch it every once in a while. I haven't watched it in a long time, but she does an hour and a half about her career and leads you to where she lived yeah. and where she grew up and all of her failures and how she thought she was totally through. They called her box office poison, yeah. and she went back to New York. And she did that play. Uh, Philadelphia Story. Yeah, the Philadelphia Story, and she bought it. Wasn't she smart to think of the strategy of that? She bought that play, and she went back to um, Mayor, what was his name? Louis B. But, yeah. And uh, she told him she wanted to do that movie and how she wanted to do it and who she wanted in it and blah, 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 and this and that. They shook hands, and she never had a contract with him or anything like that. And that right there got her career going, and then she never looked back. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. She was a one and only. That's no doubt about that. Well, winning four Oscars, nobody's done that, so. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. And she won one for, um, but, you know, I don't think she ever, did she ever accept any of them? Maybe one. Way back when she won one. But yeah. um, she never went to the ceremonies or anything like that. I think. Somebody else yeah. always had to accept for. You know, the last movie she won a Oscar for on Golden Pond. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 people remember uh, Jane Fonda and her dad had sort of a strained relationship, uh-huh. and uh, it was Catherine who sort of was peacemaker to try to bring those two together as close as possible. It, she was a, she she was v- very important in trying to. Well, the strain between them is exactly what that movie is about yeah. on Golden Pond. You know, yeah. when you see it. And, um, yeah, yeah, she tried to, she really kind of forced them to make peace with Mm -hmm. each other. 
Yeah. And Jane Fonda was grateful for it, too. The hat that Fonda wore, if you remember those scenes, that was Spencer Tracy's hat, because Catherine Hepburn gave that to mm-hmm. Henry. I remember that. that. Yeah. yeah. What a great story. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that kind of beat-up cap he, yep. that, mm-hmm. that he wears and everything, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was good. It was a good movie. Well, somebody else probably wants to call in. I just wanted to say hi. I've talked hi. Long. I'm so glad you did. Well, thank you. Bye-bye. You, you have a great week, Celeste. Thank you for calling. Same to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. How are we doing? We're, we're doing okay. We have room for Dave Kane if he's still awake. Seven, one, and if four. he's not, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dave, we picked on you tonight. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. This was a short, 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 short show. Yeah, right. Two o'clock in the morning. You got a short, 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 short show. But you know, we're well, doing good. Well, I have um, an email from Stephen, one of our people, and I have a couple from Tom in New York who. Says he listens but does not call, and Stephen does the same thing. They're, they're the silent. They're, they are our silent majority. They are out within our silent background. Yeah. They are. So thank you for being out there, both of you. He said Sibber and Molly also had a horse. Right. That is correct. Horse was Lillian. Right. Jack Benny had Carmichael the polar bear. Very good. I forgot about that one. George Burns and Gracie Allen had the duck. Right. And Alan Young had Mr. Ed. I'm Mr. Ed. Was was Mr. Ed on television or um, on radio? No. That was he, nope. he was not. That was strictly television. Going to give it to you anyway. But you know who owned Mr. Ed, the TV series? Mm, I know you've told me, and it's out of my head. I don't know. It was, <laughs> it was owned by George Burns. Really? Yeah. Maybe you didn't tell me that's yeah. brand new information for me. And it was his idea to get Alan Young. And you know what, why? Mm-hmm. He he thought he looked like somebody that would talk to a horse. So that was George. Oh. You know, there really was magic between the two of them. Yeah. It, it was just such a perfect match. Great show. Am I alone? No, I was just thinking we should get we should we you and I should talk to Alan Young. This yeah, year. we should if, do if that. He's, if he's willing to give an interview, uh-huh. I know he's been kind of shy of doing that. As long as he's not in the, long as he can do it from on the phone, I think he'd be happy to do it. Really? You know? Yeah. Well, that would be great. That would be great. Yeah. He's he's got a a whole lot more depth than just Mr. Ed. No, and it no. would be fun to explore some of that with him. So maybe we're d- after we're done with reps, we can work on that. We need to get out to... Hey, home of Christmas time. We have to, get, we have to work on the Christmas voice, too. Uh, uh, you know, I looked at this, yeah. and I'm, at the end of this month, it's going to be one quarter of our year gone. We, <laughs> we, we can ditch, get Christmas shopping in early this year, Patricia. What do you think? Hello there, you're on the air. And I'm very glad one quarter of the year is already gone. You feel that way already? 
I feel that way already. You know, my 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 grandmother told my mom, "All you're doing, wishing your life away." And my mom would say, "Oh, I wish, I wish this was over. I wish with that over." And that's sort of the big sigh I heard from you, Dan. I, I'm just glad it's over. I had four meetings this week. <laughs> you know, you, various, you sound, you sound so throaty tonight that I didn't recognize you until you started saying a couple of words with your Indiana spin. Uh, do you have a cold? Oh, that's a whole other issue. I won't go into it at this point. I'll, okay. I, I have a clue. I think you might have a clue what's going on here. Oh, do but you I'll, have I'll a get clue? Yeah, it's... It's it's just uh, the pollen's back in Indiana. I'll put. Oh no! Yeah. Already? Well, it's coming. It's coming. So. But, oh, you poor so guy. So, was the four meetings all related to an event coming up? Yeah. 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 That's it. It's going to be a good celebration, but it's. A, Do they promise you vacation? Have they promised you vacation? Can we negotiate? A vacation settlement for you after it's done? I have the same contract Patricia has. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, huh? <laughs> oh, we've got parades. We've got uh, torch relays. We've got... Oh, my word. Just, you know... Are, are you going to march in a parade? Mm, possibly, possibly. Okay. I was fitted for a uh, period costume this week, so going to be handmade um so yes we're having the two constitutions are coming back to uh to town um two state competition uh constitutions are coming back to town so yeah you know indiana and it's bicentennial and we're really in the thick of uh celebrating the bicentennial here so it's been a very very active week so so wait so my question is, what are you guys planning to top it for next year? Uh, we are not topping it <laughs> next year. <laughs> We're not topping it again for, who knows, I hope for another hundred years. years. Probably. Yeah, I won't be here. I won't be here, I don't believe. Let me figure this out. When is America celebrating our 50th? We're too thiffy. We're getting, let's see. Two. Holy, holy cow, we're only eight years away. What do you mean eight years away? You mean 20, uh, 26? 26. Yeah, 10 years away. Mm-hmm. 10 yep. years away. 10 years away. Yep, seems like yesterday, I, doesn't it? I, uh, I bet and we're still be a, a baby. I bet it's going to be a pretty good celebration. I don't know. I haven't heard anything. Uh, I wonder if there's a commission that's been established. Well, I know there was a bicentennial commission. I wonder how long, though, they had time to plan for this... For the 200, I, I, I'm assuming four or five years, ten I years, think. I'd say, I'd say 10 years out. Yeah. I know for, I know for our local bicentennial uh, events, um, we started planning about four years prior to the event. Hmm. So, no, we have begin a... begin with well, something like a, that, Dan? Yes. What is the have, first order of the day? What's the first thing you do when you start planning something like that? Besides meet with people. but And well, which we, ones do you meet with? We, at the outset? Yeah, we, we, we had an open uh, community call for people who were interested in 
you know, doing something for the celebration. We mm-hmm. uh, did a SWAT test, you know, strength, weaknesses, all that. And, um, you know, we wrote down what was important. And then we kind of broke into different areas and kind of grouped, you know, what fit where and mm-hmm. uh, went from there. And then broke up into different subcommittees. And then there's a steering committee that kind of oversees what all the other little committees are doing. And then we have an executive committee. And those um, people sign off on, you know, giving the yay or nay on final approval, whether it will be a sponsored what, event. Will they have a brainstorming section, though, to come up oh, with yeah, ideas? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that started about four years ago when we had a brainstorming uh-huh. session on what should be done and what had been done uh, in... See, in 1919 was the state, was the Indiana Centennial. And boy, they did a lot of things back then. Um, so did, you, did you guys have a, a, a manual to look at what they did in 1919? That way you, you, you guys sort of knew what they'd done in the past? Oh, yeah. There, there were minutes published oh. of what had been done. And, um, yeah, we, we knew what they'd done. The, uh, in Indiana... And, in 1916, the um, state centennial uh, started uh, the state parks department. So we, um, there was grant money available uh, this year uh, in, for the bicentennial to uh, buy additional park land. So we, we have a new park that will be bicentennial park. And uh, there will be a community um City Park, that will be a bicentennial park. Also, that's where we're burying a time capsule, which means I, I need to do some research on uh, uh, buying a good time capsule for the. Oh, that's fun. Yes, yes. You know, I mean, these are just little things that I'm, you know, people ask me to do. And yeah, to... a time capsule. What What would you choose to put in a time capsule? Top three. Top three things to put in a time capsule. You know, I, we've been discussing what should go in the time capsule and what needs to, like, be put into, like, acid-free containers and things like yeah. that. I mean, you just don't want to put things all in there together. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, we've got so much technology, but, you know, what will be able to be read, you know, in whenever they open the time capsule. So I'm really sticking with just printed items and maybe pictures. You know, I mean, you could put a video cassette or a DVD in there, but who will be able to read it in I would, 100 I, years? I, I was talking to them, uh, a church one time. They wanted to put together a 25-year time cast. And so I suggested huh? putting it on a hard drive. Well, but who will read a hard drive? Well, in, I'm in thinking the by then... It's still in a digital format, yeah, and I'm thinking they're going to think, you know, 100 years from now, they're going to probably have better, faster, smarter, or whatever, but my thinking yep. is there you can store a lot of information, and all they need true. to do is just tap into the drive. True, true, but, you know, uh, if you put a sloppy drive from the 80s in a time capsule, or if you had one just, I mean, where can you find a drive, you know, mm. to, Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I can. I I used to have a small. Oh gosh, I don't even remember the name of it. It'll come to me. Omega. 
an Omega external drive that uh-huh. held maybe a gigabyte maximum, not even a gigabyte, good grief. Um, sure. And it was just a drag-and-drop operation. Uh-huh. I changed computers, and the thing wouldn't work anymore. I mean, even within my little computer time here, everything was stored on the disk, but there's no way to play it. My understanding, worst-case scenario, the Library of Congress, for example, have kept kept extra equipment for every single transfer. So mm-hmm. I, that's probably what I would think would be safe if I had a hard drive. Somebody would be smart enough to go to the Library of Congress and say, yeah. can you crack it, this in for me? Well, I have a suggestion, Dan. Sure, please, yes. I'm I'm in the fun mode with things like a time capsule. I would put in something like a McDonald's menu. Uh, yes, something something printed like that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, completely. Yes, you know, go back. I mean, that's and a snap. That's a snapshot of mm-hmm. uh, the the culture of the time. It's a social snapshot, I guess. Uh, so I I would look for fun things like that. Oh well, yeah, I think that's uh, that, that's a very good suggestion. You know, maybe like church bulletins, or exactly you know, yes. Yeah. You know, uh, but how big is this going to be? That's a very good question. I uh, I'm still researching the time capsule. We there are certain things that are coming due before others, so I'm really on a mm-hmm. frame on what it, what needs to be done. You know, the most immediate sure. thing. So the word undetermined fix fits right. Yes, now. yes, that's right. Okay. Yeah, we, I've got. We can work I've with got, that. How big is the time capsule that was, and how long ago was the most recent one buried? Or wherever you did. Where are you going to put it? We're going to put this in the Bicentennial Park in uh, downtown. Did you just uh, tell me that? Park down there. Did you just tell me that and I missed it? I think I did. No, oh, sorry. <laughs> I'll tell you my thing. How many years will it be closed before they can open it up? Uh, We haven't really decided. I'm hoping no earlier than 50 years, but 100 years would really be cool, wouldn't it? It would be. And the saddest thing is that we can't be there to watch what they say and and do with it. That's right. That's right. Yes. When you get 149 years old, if I hung around that long. Yeah, and I'm 79. I mean, she was. Right. That's right. Hmm. That's what we need. So. I don't think I can last 50 years. Have any, do any of you have anything in a time castle? I don't. I mean, there are a few time capsules around town. They buried one in front of the town hall uh-huh. when they opened that in 1983, and they opened that in... Gosh, what year was it? Oh, they opened in 2008. So that was interesting to go back and look at those things. I I, I think a time capsule ought to be buried for, you know, at least 50 years. But I agree. You know. I, I, I agree. I, I'm in a time capsule, I think, for my school. And I think that's 20, I seem to remember 25 years is what they chose. Yes. I think the problem with 25 years is that there are so many people still around who yeah. lived 25 years ago. It's, it's not really right. enough. It's not enough distance to be surprises and fun things for people. Well, it was a, fun, it was a fundraiser for the school, so they probably figured if I'm going to donate such and such amount, <laughs> be around when it's open. open. Yeah. 
gosh. Well, listen, when when people come up with money, I guess you have to bend a little. Yeah. That's right. Hey, I've got good news for you. Whoa, whoa, what, what? I, I, I have found an actual uh, switchboard operator, and I spoke to her, and she agreed that she would come on the program. So I will have to you. You told us in an email that you had one, and I'm so glad. Wouldn't that be fun? Yes, I'll send you her information. She confirmed with me that she would be very uh, happy to speak with you, and she's a she's a night owl, so uh, you probably can interview her live right here on the radio. Wow! And maybe maybe she can plug into us and have an idea that we're not going to gobble her up. That's right. That's right. I reassure. I mean, ahead of time. Yeah. Nice, nice, kind people, and that you would be able to treat her very kindly. So. I yes. Yes. We're very nice to come out and play with. That's right. Absolutely. You know, I think think it will be very informative for people who may have been around to use the old uh, telephones like that. You know, is, she, is this a PBX uh, system? Huh? A PBX system. I remember reading about that. With the you plug into the board. Yeah. Yeah. She was the board operator. Okay. All right. That's great. Yeah. Yep, that's right. So uh, I'll send you the information. It's just been a very, very busy week. May I say? Yes, how can I help you? What other show in the whole wide world can range from Irving Berlin to telephone operators all in the same night? And I say, Bill Bragg, eat your heart out. What can I say? <laughs> well, then, I did not say that, Bill. Please don't fire me. <laughs> And if you fire him, I can't come out and play. Oh, gee. Well, then you're going to get us in trouble one night. You're going to get us fired again. I tell you, my goodness, what are you doing? Yeah. Oh. 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 You've got to be nice in the sandbox, you know? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Right. That's but I, I, I'm sick of that way. We just cover just the gamut of topics around here. They just... Yes, we do. And we talk about pets like horses and Jack Armstrong. And, oh, my gosh, John in Florida covered a whole bunch of stuff with us. And John in Maryland talked about oil and coal and freezing points. And, wow, boy, we really did. And Pat in um, Decatur didn't chew me up and spit me out for Stan Freeberg. So I thought that was really nice. I said it once, and I'll say it again. This show is nothing, if not educational. <laughs> Some nights we stray a little bit, but most of the time, yes, we have at least something new for people. Yes, that's right. We had yeah. bad news this week, too. What? Uh, the uh, president of my university, Bellarmine University, passed away unexpectedly. Oh, gosh, and I'm sorry. Yes, it, it was very unexpected, and we're having a memorial service on Monday. He was yeah. Jay, Jay McGowan was his name, and he uh, he uh, passed away at seventy one, just out of the blue. So, wow, a rough week, but uh, we're we're going to keep moving here. It sounds like he was a very well liked person. He had been president of the university for since nineteen ninety, so that's uh, twenty six years. You don't get to be 26 years of a president without having a good element of respect. 
He, for the matriculation ceremony, he greeted every freshman and had them sign the matriculation book and met with each family. And uh, I remember one family came in uh, during the ceremony there, and uh, that happened up in his office, and this was in the library building. And and uh, I remember a mother coming up to me and asking, do we really have to stand in this line and sign this book? And I said, ma'am, I think I think you'll be impressed if you do, and I'll tell you this much. If you take the time and you stand in that line, if you think if it was a waste of time, why don't you come back and tell me that it was a waste of time? But I think you'll be impressed if you stand in the line and meet Mr. Dr. McGowan. And uh, she came back to me and afterward, and she said, you know what? You were absolutely right. That was what um, It's nice that she came back to tell you. Oh, yes. And I said, ma'am, I'm very glad you felt that way because <laughs> that's the way I felt, and I'm glad you're verified. So, yeah. did, did you get a chance to meet him a few times? Would he drop oh, by yeah. the library? And... Yeah. Uh, yes, I, I, he'd come in on the weekend, and he'd stop by, and he'd say hello, and, and we'd just talk about things in general. And then, uh, Did he say, do you got my latest version of Dick Tracy comic book, Sandy, I can read? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know if he was so much into Dick Tracy comic books, but uh, <laughs> he, he was well-read, and, and, uh, and then I'd see his secretary, uh Several times on the weekend, uh, you know, she would be in for getting ready for a busy week or something like that. And, and uh, in fact, Lucy was in today, and, and I said, "Lucy, I'm so sorry about all that's happened." And I had aimed to email her just to say, "Hey, I'm thinking of you." And she said, "Yeah, it's kind of a rough situation, but, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, just have to keep moving. That's what he would want, you know, yeah. to do." So. Yeah. Hard to but, do, though. Uh, I mean, he knew like uh, he he would bring in different you know authors. Uh, he knew Jim Lair from mm. back, and Koki Roberts would come in. He was very very uh, knew a lot of people, so brought these people in for different events and book signings, and they would speak to the students and. What do you think? Well, the, well what do you think is the importance of a good president of a university? What do they have to have? You think? That's a very good question, and you know, since this has happened, I've wondered. You know, just uh, you know, it, it takes a special individual. Um, you know, it, it's you're right. It's a special combination of skills. You don't always get a good administrator who is also a good people person, and it sounds like he was both. People skills are very important, but you you have to have the the educational background, and you have to, you know, this day and age, you have to know, you know, just uh, have to be financially um, wise on how to raise money, how to spend money, and things like that. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, you know, it's just... Well, also think of all the meetings he had to attend raising money for the university and probably times he probably wished he was home reading a book but he did it for the school you know mm-hmm. to meet the right person to raise those, those dollars oh yeah you know that, and that takes a certain person to come up with, with small talk or abilities to do those things yes and um, you know when you're dealing with uh, students college students who will be graduating you have to 
have some knowledge of the business community, so you can network and get uh, jobs for these, uh, you know, uh, graduates. You know, and, yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's really a a tough job. I mean, you'd think it would be easy, but as Walden said, you know, you have to attend meetings, you have to stay on top of you know the latest trends. Um, I think you know someone who has some, you know, a government official would be, you know, some type of person who is very similar to, you know, just, it, it's a great uh, burden. You know, you have to have leadership yeah. skills and uh, just, uh, and, and, and it's not an eight hour a day job. Yes. Yes. It's not Ever. an eight hour a day job. You know, even, you know, uh, Lucy has been, uh, there for a number of years, and you know, uh, uh, you have to have a good secretary when you're in that role too. And I think Lucy is a great little, a great secretary. Um, mm-hmm. And um, you know, she, I'm always saying, I'm always asking, "What are you doing today?" And she says, "You know, <laughs> oh well, you know, we're doing this." And you know, sometimes it's a kind of an unusual uh, job. Um, yeah. You know. It's sort of like somebody we know in our family. Uh, yeah, well, you know, just... Uh, and <laughs> who is into unusual things all the time. Into unusual. You really do spread yourself pretty thin. Yes, yes, well, you know, it uh, keeps life interesting. And, uh, you know, it... Uh, so how many, meetings, think, how many meetings do you have tomorrow, Dan? Are you going to try to get five or six in? Uh, tomorrow is work day, and, uh, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, it's a normal it's a normal work day. So, but, uh, yeah, just going to work on a few projects. I've got, uh, got the whole fourth grade coming in for uh, a history lesson. Oh, my gosh, what are you going to give them? Well, in April, we're having five history workstations. We're going to have reenactors portray local historic figures, and they will will break up the uh, whole fourth grade into different groups, and then they will go f- they will go to one station, and then when they're done with one station, they'll move to another. And then we'll break for lunch, but there'll be like five different stations that they'll rotate through in during mm-hmm. the, the school day. So well, that should be fun for them. That's that's all. And these kinds of learning here. opportunities would make such a difference for kids. Do what now? So these kinds of learning opportunities make such a difference for kids. They shouldn't have to wait months before they are able to do this. Yes. And not necessarily, you know, you should do it every time, but it, oh, sure. it should be part of their regular curriculum. Mm-hmm. Yes. We had our play uh, back on February 12th, and it was well-received. We had uh, the play for the uh, high school during uh, the day, and then that night we had over 300 uh, community members come in and watch the play. They, The adults thought the play was really uh, informative and interesting, and, and uh, the School. I mean, there was times when you could hear a pin drop in the auditorium. We were, I was quite wow. surprised, you know. So, 
And in fact, we're planning on putting it on again, um, maybe another time or two this summer uh, as an encore. It was so well received. That's nice. Those are the times you can go home and go to bed and smile. Yes, that's right. While you're on, <laughs> you should be probably half asleep enjoyed, before you hit the bed. Even the actors who were involved in the play enjoyed it. It was well written and um, good. You know, so we're going to do that again too. So, but uh, yeah, just been kind of busy here, and uh, sorry I haven't called in a couple weeks. Uh, just. Uh, in fact, I just I was waiting to call tonight. I fell off and slept for an hour here. So. You're our confirmation that we can put people to sleep. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. We need pills or anything like that. No. Mm-hmm. How many hours of sleep do you try to get a night? How many hours of sleep do I try to get? In? Yeah. Uh, I try to get at least six, and I love when I get eight. But uh, sometimes that doesn't always work. That's what I mean. I mean, I look at your schedule sometimes, and I think six has got to be tough to get six in. Yes, yes. Uh, when I have the opportunity, I try to sleep ahead some, too. Try to, you know, it's like, uh, you know, if, well, like on Thursday when I'm off, I try to, like, you know, just turn off the alarm clock and sleep, you know, just as late as I can, you know. You figure that's banking those hours that you need on the weekend, huh? Well, you know, I, 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 I've always heard you can't release, you know, bank hours, but, you know, I can't see where it hurts if you can sleep in a little bit, you know. I agree. That's right, you know. Gee whiz, if we can fill up with calories, why can't we fill up with sleep? That's right. I don't know if it works, but... I'm on your... You like, I, I, like, I like this. You like what? Well, I like what you're saying. I, I agree with it. It can't hurt, I don't believe. No. I look at weekly totals. If I've got X number of hours in a week, I've met my commitment. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when you've got people depending on you to get things done, you know, it's like, well. <clears throat> That's right. Yeah, you've really got pressure from the outside. Yeah. But I do like, um, I, I've tried, you know, like, working and getting a project finished and then going to sleep and then I've tried, you know, going to sleep and then waking up and then working on a project, you know, first thing in the morning. I almost like staying up and getting it done because you never know when, you know, something's going to go wrong. And then But it hurts the next day. It hurts the next day, yes. Yes, it does. Yes, but... Uh, yes, it does. Well, do you know... We are playing Who Had the Pets Time Tonight, which yes. radio Yeah, which radio programs, and we've got a lot already out there. And I've got one on my list that hasn't been said yet, but which radio show had pets or an animal associated with it, and cowboy horses are off the table? Well, I heard that, and I, I think I have two that I might surprise you with. Ooh, what, what, what? Uh, if I mentioned the name McDougal, would you know who? <gasps> yes, how excellent. Thank you. Yes, the bullfrog from um, our Miss Brooks. Yes. And also yes. on that show was another little furry creature called Minerva. <gasps> what a great deal. That's right. I was trying to see if there was any other animals on our Miss Brooks. 
Um, gee whiz. No, there were lamb well, animals. had a pet. But I don't know if there were any that were really named, other than McDougal. And, I mean, mm-hmm. McDougal had what a couple he, different what was, oh, it, There was an elephant in there as well. An You're elephant? Right. It was an elephant, yeah. I don't remember the elephant. Where Alton, do you remember which show I'm talking him. about? Did he sneak off for a snack? I think he, sne- he sneaked off for something. I'm here. Um, <laughs> there, there was Mr. What's-His-Face. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, Gail Gordon played Mr. Boynton. Oh, no. Uh, um, Conklin. Conklin. Oh, help me here. Osgood Conklin. Osgood Conklin. Osgood Conklin, thank yeah. you. Osgood Conklin. How many Osgood do you know? I don't know any, um, but we Mr. actually have a city here called Osgood. Do you really? How interesting! Sure do. We sure How do. Interesting. Well, the elephant came when Miss Brooks. And do I have the right show here? It was his birthday. Yes, his wife. His wife um, asked him what he wanted, and he wanted an elephant. And it was actually, and he was asking for an elephant to add to his miniature collection. Miss Brooks overheard it, and somehow they wound up getting this honest-to-goodness elephant, thinking it was a real elephant he wanted. And they were trying to score points with him. Walden, do I have the correct show for this? Oh, he's gone. I, I forgot. Heard, I, haven't, I haven't heard that one yet. I shall, All right. My, well, my, guess is, I, my guess is, I bet you're correct. I haven't heard that particular Miss Brooks yet. Yeah, and I, I can hear Osgood Conklin screaming about the elephant on his back patio. Elephant? Do you? <laughs> oh, isn't this interesting, Martha? What her, His wife's name was Martha? Uh-huh. I believe so, yes. Yeah. Isn't this interesting, Martha? We have an elephant. An elephant. In typical Osgood Conklin style. So I'm, I'm pretty was, confident to have the right show. He had a slow reaction, for, you know, he would, he said, he uh, did. The, 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 like, mm-hmm. five, Hello, yes, yes, and, and he could make it work. I'm not sure everybody could. That's right. Oh, he, hey, made it, he made it work Walden. very well. Yeah, yeah. Walden, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're trying to remember how many animals were on our Miss Brooks, and I said Minerva the cat, and then we had McDougal the frog. Right. And now an Were there any other named animals? I couldn't think of any more. Those are the two I can think of. Um... I know there were other lab animals, but I don't think any of them had the uh, spotlight like no, McDougal did. Mm-hmm. I remember there was a dog, and I don't remember the dog having a name. There was some unusual animal that got loose in school, and they tried to put it in the closet, and they, of course, in typical fashion, they went from closet to closet and room to room. It was something like a big rabbit. No, was it had to be stretch, bigger than that. Was, mm-hmm. was it Stretch trying to get that? Maybe. Remember, Stretch family owned a pet shop, so they could have bought some interesting critters for the store. That's right. That's right. I thought his dad was a taxidermist. Or did they remember Stuff Stuff Incorporated? I I did. Isn't interesting. Okay, Stretch Cunningham. Mm-hmm. No, Snodgrass. <gasps> I'm sorry. Great, not, great name. Thank you. So, 
if he would have married into the I Good family and wouldn't have been an entry, I Good Snodgrass, that would have been very good. That's right. Mm-hmm. I have a question for Walden he might be able to help me with. All right, Dan? Yes. Do you know anything about music copyright? Yes, I do. Okay. Uh, if something was published or produced in 50 years ago, um... I'm assuming that's still under copyright. It depending where it, if it was published. If it, where it was published. If it came, if it was in, if it was outside the United States, then it would be in public domain 50 years later. Okay. If it's in the United States, it would still be under copyright. Okay. And the trouble is, the, the trouble we're having is a record album was published 50 years ago, but we can't find the company or any or any um, subsidiaries of that company that are still around, so we can't really get permission to reproduce it. Well, the way you would do it, you don't necessarily need a company per se. You would go to uh, the publisher or if it's the songwriters. Uh, if you look at the label and see if there's some credits, uh-huh. you go yeah. there and then go to ACAP and work out a deal directly with them because they would have records where they are. Okay, so ASCAP would know where these uh, companies would be. Correct, be- or, or who took over Who took over, and who, who you could contact, so that's what I would do. Okay, well, I found, I found the son of the... Um, the owner of the studio where this record was published and he said that, uh, or where it was produced and uh, his father and mother both ran the studio and they died like, you know, within the last four or five years and they were in their 90s and he doesn't know where their master recordings would be or just, you know, he didn't... You know, mean- most likely, it depends on the setup, most likely they, the producer could have given rented time in that studio yeah. huh? and and produce yeah. and own the master themselves. Okay, okay. Well, that's uh, that's a great, the great boon. That's a great bit of information. Yeah, but I I would, I would go to brick wall here. Yeah, I would go to at cap. Uh, and they're online. Yes, they are. Okay, I haven't been to their site yet, yep. but I'll just uh, do a search then. Right. And so, so what? Just email them. You can email them. Yes. Uh, look online. They also have a 1-800 number where you can call. Okay. The, I might just do that, too. Yeah. And explain who you're trying to take down. They're probably going to know some, you know, especially songwriters. Songwriters are the important um, key. Because if, if they publish the songwriter, call ACAP, then they would have the records. And then the nice thing about it, you could go directly to... The publisher, if you find out who they are and get the name, you can work out a better deal than just do the straight licensing deal through ACAP. You can do a personal deal with them, and it could be more in your favor. Okay, okay, sounds good. Yeah, because, you know, some cases they might just let you do it for free and not worry about it. Also, Dan, in the, in the music, and I was involved with this, if we could not find the right holders, we would set up. We could, we could set up a trust. 
Oh, really? Yes, and the way you would do it, the, the portion of the royalties, in this case it would be eight and a quarter cents per song, would go to, into a trust. And so if anybody can I own that right, the money's already set aside. I see. So, there was a record there was a record produced fifty years ago, uh, for the sesquicentennial and there were some local people who sang on this record, you know, just uh tunes related to Indiana and um we'd like to get that and well there there are copies available. We'd like to get that put on CDs and, and sell those, you know, just to get the uh, music out there. But uh, we can't find the, uh, the the people who produced the CD or, you know, who produced the record. You know, we would like to get that transferred to a CD, but, uh, you know, it's, we can't find anybody still around at this point. But that's why the trust thing might be the way to go. That way you can still yeah. move ahead mm-hmm. and get set, have oh, money I'll- set aside. Yeah, I'll contact ASCAP and see what right. they suggest too. Right. So, yeah. Well, thanks for the lead. No did we lead? Did we lose Patricia? Nope, she's still here. She's just she's stupid here. in some areas, so she doesn't interrupt often. Yes, she is. <laughs> yes. Wait a minute. Great. You know, we like hearing your chirps whenever possible. Okay. Very good. We, we <laughs> like a yeah, but every once in a while. Yeah, I yeah, mm-hmm. Or bang yeah, that but. coffee mug. Let us know you're yes. there. Yes. It's in the kitchen. What did I do with it? Oh, my goodness. I don't have it. What happened? How, how awful. What happened? What happened? I don't know. I came back here without it. <laughs> I was talking with you. You see what kind of a distraction you are? I mean, this is critical. That's right. You got to have the caffeine. So. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Must have. Have you been stuff. filling in through the week some? I've been tuning in trying to find you during the week. No, we got I emailed fired. you. You're not on. We got fired. Well, I know you got fired. Yeah, haven't you, been on, have you? No. Well, we. No. Well, I was kind to Patricia this week. We could have done it Monday night, but I got notified. No. I got notified with nine minutes to go, and I didn't know Patricia had all my questions ready in nine minutes. <sighs> No, I would not have. No. So now this isn't as smart. You wouldn't have had my questions ready, so I didn't call you. That's right. You did without me anyway. Well, I. I Go ahead. Uh, I, Go ahead. Explain that one, Lucy. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna put your hand on your on your on your hip and and. That's exactly that what. You know, have to throw yourselves into a dialogue here. Okay, explain, Lucy. Well, okay, I love you so much. <laughs> yeah. And I, I isn't this a great way to start? And, all right, go and, ahead. And I, and I figured you were, you, you just you just spent all night with me Saturday, and with Monday right. with nine minutes to go, mm-hmm. and I figured you were getting prepped for for the future Saturday show, mm-hmm. and I thought I would be kind to you this week and give you Monday off and see if John and Willie can handle it. You know, those, those are amateur, those, those are newbies in the business, you know. And I thought we should give them a break while they set it out for another 90 minutes of programming. That is the best country western explanation <laughs> I've ever had. 
And you know what reference we're making to country western. Dan, what? <laughs> See? Ah, uh, you got it. <laughs> um, Dan, what, what do you think? I I don't know. I don't, I'm not buying what he's selling. There you go. That's, All right. Well, Dan, it, it, it's the truth, though. I thought nine minutes ago... I still had to figure out what to do in nine minutes. You know, I was coming from the other room, so... It takes you nine minutes to log in and get everything started and going. Uh, Sometimes less than that. You know, uh, for people who may or may not know, sometimes they apologize. I mean, they have told me right at 10.30 Eastern, we're sorry to give you the short notice, but what could you do a show? I mean, I've had that happen. You know, they, they guess it's... I've heard some of these shows, yeah. yes. I, I, yeah. I'm not doubting your word on that. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yes. yes. Planning is not always high priority. What can I say? Well, you've just, you've just got to wing it. Okay, what you all right. Do. Well, I'm going to do it yes. this way. Dan? Yes. Patricia? What? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Walden? Would you do me the honor? Yeah. And pleasure. Uh-huh. Being with me on Monday night? Me? Well, I don't know. I was shunned last week. That's right. Well, I'm asking, you, I'm asking, you, know. I'm asking you ahead of time if... You're, oh, you, you, you're trying to make up for it. Okay, sure. Okay. Are we going to do it, or I, do you not know yet? I don't know, but see, Mike got Bible studies on Monday night, and Bill from Sicker and the Dog, there's always... It seemed like Monday night is the possibility night. You see, I thought for sure we were going to do it two weeks ago. That's why I told Patricia that. And then Bill decided to go do the show, then he got sick again. So, I'm not... Yeah, uh, I emailed you and said, where are you? You're not on tonight. So, so Patricia, I'm going to call you with two minutes to go if if I get called, okay? Okay. Okay. All right, I'll be prepared. I'll tune in and I'll call in. Yeah. Oh, wouldn't that be great? You know, We're guaranteed I, of one. You know, I just amazed that Bob from Wisconsin keeps calling Bill and telling him that he, he you know, he <laughs> should take another night off. You know, <laughs> that permanently. Awful. That's terrible. What do you, what do you think? That, you think Thank you, Bob. You, you think, I mean, we, we've got a manager and a booker, you, you, or, or a bookie. <laughs> <laughs> do you think Bill and Mike have a complex? I mean, do you think they're worrying about their show? I mean, that's why they. Well, have I don't think they're worrying about their jobs. I, I don't think it comes to that. However, yeah. I, I think you're dancing on the periphery with this one. You know? I don't know. You know, people called us and said, "How come we don't give the show to, let's say, Bill and Mike? I mean, you need to do this more often." I don't think I would feel very uh, you know, good about it. Y- 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 well, see. Yeah, but maybe they ought to take maybe they, maybe Bill and Mike ought to take over a Saturday night just to help build up their listener base. What do you think? I've got my hand on my hip again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when when I stand up, I can really throw myself into this dialogue here. Yes, my hand is on my hip. I don't think so. How's that? I think Bill, Bill and Mike both need a break from the week. I mean, they're on five nights a week, four, four nights a week. Four nights a week. Four? Yes, 
four nights a week. So, so. How, long, how long of a break do you think they should take, then? Oh, no, I, I think they just need a normal, like, three-day weekend break, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, how how many weekends do you, do you propose them taking off? Oh, I don't know. No, I would. 52? Oh, no, 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 no. no. You, you're, you've got you've got family that are depending on you being here on a Saturday night. I know. I know. It's a big responsibility, and. My my name is Mud. Every time I take a night Saturday night off to go do something, what can I say? That's right. We don't want any of this hooky stuff. No. And then what? Now what? What weekend are you playing hooky again? Well, I'm late. Uh, a week from tonight will probably be late because I'll be up in LA. Yeah. But uh, Saturday, April the sixteenth, we'll be broadcasting live from Seattle. So I'll be working. Really, Patricia's the only one goofing off that night because I'll still be working. <laughs> No, no, no! You get you buy a plane ticket and you have her fly to Seattle. Hello. I don't know. Hello. I don't this time capsule is really getting to you, isn't it? <laughs> I would love to have her with me in Seattle. Okay, she can sit there and say, "What?" Every time what? we do it. <laughs> she, she's been on the show for ten years and she has yet to make one personal appearance. Now that's 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 just too much. I've well, been on that long, have I? Yes, you count the Christmas. Yes, I have. Yes, you count the Christmas stuff you have. Yeah. Wow. Ooh, that's See? scary. Well, you know. You're, you're All right. I have, I have a question you. for both this, of you. This would be good for her social security because she can put that in at time. <laughs> I don't think they count zeros. <clears throat> they, they don't. You have to earn something in order to have credit for social security. Well, we can we can put down this tender, loving care from the listening family that. They'd be happy to add the zero to the list. Yeah, well, that it, that would be great. Yeah. Um, the IRS wants to see a tax return <laughs> before <laughs> before we can qualify we, for we social security. We just say it's intangible. We, we it's in what what the thing is intrinsic value or whatever the intrinsic value. Yes, yes. Whatever that word is. I don't think the IRS talks in intrinsic. <laughs> I I haven't. I haven't spoken to anyone for, you know, one year, my check to the IRS bounced. I was a wreck. I was absolutely a wreck. My brother had not, he wrote a check to me for something that he owed. I knew I had enough in the checking account after, you know, I, I deposited that check. I mean, I was really down to the wire. Sent my check to the IRS, and my brother's check had bounced. So I was $25 short on my IRS check. And, of course, they notified me that my check had bounced. Well, I mean, you just don't mess around with the IRS. I was a wreck. Honestly, I was a wreck. And I called them. I found a number, and it was the local office, and I called. And I told the nice man what happened. And he said, okay, hold on just a minute. And I got passed from person to per- I mean, I was a wreck. I mean, I, I, I kept saying, you know, what, what can I do? And am I going to, what kind of penalty? And, you know? and when I got to the fifth person, I realized that they were having such a good time with somebody who was upset about a, bank, a bounced check to the IRS. I was getting passed from person to person so that they could have a good time with me. Yes, I wondered about you- that. You understand, you understood that. I mean, really, I was a mess. And finally, somebody said, oh, for goodness sakes, all you have to do is put it back in. <laughs> uh, you know, I'd run it, it to the bank again. It. 
just and refund run it, it and bank, yeah. put it back in. But honest to goodness, yeah. can you imagine realizing that you bounced a check with the IRS? Oh, well, yeah. probably, it's probably happened before, you know. That's what he said, you know, lady, you know, he called me by my, by my name. This is not the first time something like this happened. So... Writing a hot check to the you, you oh, IRS. Gosh, I know, I know. And I wasn't even kiting. It was just, you know, a set of circumstances. And it was not a little check either. Truth be told. Maybe you could, did you try and negotiate a payment plan, you know, uh, uh, you know that'll make no. it up? To, okay. No. I, I, no. I, no. You know, I was too... Pollyanna-ish. I, I didn't even know about those kinds of things. Yeah, truth be told, I'm sure there's people more famous than you that have done that same thing. <laughs> I think so. percent <laughs> <laughs> of the population. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Well, Dan. Yes. I'm really help- fun to talk with you. That's right. I've been, I've been missing calling in, but I some nights you put me to sleep very, very quickly. So. Oh, Sai, must yeah. you must consider letting us know what we have to change in order to fix that. Well, start earlier in the soothing. night. Maybe maybe we've got a soothing way about us. Is he that possible? Us to, he wants us to start ten in the morning or something like that. Uh, Hello. Thirty at night would be all right. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> oh, gee. Oh, gee. Instead of starting at 10.30 at night, start three hours earlier and, you know, just mm-hmm. three hours earlier, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's uh-huh. time when Patricia gets out of bed at 7.30 p.m. She slept all day. But I could do it. I could do it if I... Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. I, I could do it. I haven't. But you need. But I could. You need an earlier show. No, we don't. Yes. It's way past <clears> the <throat> time. That would put Walden in the middle of his afternoon. Three hours early I would be four thirty in the my, afternoon my, for him. My family eats sometime at five o'clock. So eight o'clock. Are you really to... tripping up? <clears throat> so I, don't I, know. I would walk away and say, "There's a dinner for me and Molly while I go off and have dinner." And here's another one while we wait for Patricia. <laughs> and here's another one because neither one of us can get to the, yeah? yeah. No. I, I have to say it wouldn't work. That's part of, well, that's part of the reason why our Easter show, I figured from 4 to 8, it's pretty good timing. That's early for a family. And then it still allows us to go have some dinner before we start. You're doing, a, you're doing an Easter show? Yep, Saturday before Easter. Saturday before Easter. March the 26th. Yeah, I was going to say Easter is really early this year. Yeah, it really is. Mm-hmm. A uh, Good Friday is the 25th, and Easter is the 27th, right? Right. Very good, Dan. I'm proud of you. Yes. So, so Patricia and I will be right on Saturday, and we're going to do four hours from 4 to 8 p.m., then take a break for a couple of two and a half hours, and come back at 1030. Oh, boy. Yeah. A double dipper. A double dipper. That's right. So now you've got your early show. It'll have to hold you until Christmas. 
Oh, there's always the Fourth of July. There is. What not is the, with me. What is the Fourth of July this year? What What day of the week is that fall on, Patricia? Uh, day of the week is. Hold on. May, June, July Fourth is a Monday. Monday. Mm-hmm. We'll have, we have to see if the second will work or not. You and I have to discuss off air if we're going to do anything on the second. Or wait till the ninth. What? The second. <laughs> do, do, do. Okay, we can, we can talk about this, Walton, yes. and then you'll explain to me what you just said. <laughs> I, I love your visual descriptions of the fireworks, you know, the well, ooh and the ah, you know. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, I know, but I'm just... Speaking of speaking of code, and sometimes I've forgotten to give Patricia the code book, you know. Yeah, you know, I mean, this is like sending me out on the field, and everybody has a playbook except me. Yeah, but you you know I would. Yeah, but mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but see, you trust me, don't you? Most of the time. Okay. Yeah, this but... might not be one of them. I'm not <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'll have to um, I'll have to do an evaluation on this one. Well, yeah, well, it's either the second or the ninth. It'd be your pick. Oh, for for the Fourth of July? Yeah. Well, heavens, it has to be the second. That's okay. what our constitution. Okay. I guess yeah. what, I just wanted to get permission before I booked book book the second of July. Okay. Okay. That's very nice of you to ask. Well, I thought it would be nice to ask. You're a good guy. I appreciate that. Yeah, you really are looking out for my best mm-hmm. interest. Mm-hmm. Plural. <laughs> 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 All right. That was, oh, Dan. That was, well, you know, you well, did a good job, Dan. McDougal and Minerva. I never, ever, ever would have come up with them. Ever. That's right. That's right. You, that's you did good. There. All right. All right. Okay. What's the name of Leroy's cat? Well, he had two. Yep. One was Tom. Right. And the other was, it began with a C. I thought it was Did a letter. Did it begin with a C? I thought, thought it was a letter E. Hmm. Oh, Aesop. That's right. Yes, yes, oh. yes. Aesop. Yep, Aesop. What a mm-hmm. name for a cat. Poor cat. That's a great name. Great name. Right. Okay, Dan, your instructions what? are to go to bed and have a good sleep. What cam- What radio show had a camel as a pet? The Jack Benny? <laughs> Correct. Oh, Patricia's Who? hot tonight. What now? Jack Benny. Jack Benny had a camel as a pet. A camel? I don't yeah. remember that. Yep, during the you war. Did? And you know who wow. played? And you know who played the camel? Uh, probably Mel Blank. Nope, but uh, in that Andy Devine. in that in that uh, genre of talent. Really? Mm-hmm. Who else but Mel Blank was there? Um, I would have picked uh, Andy Devine because he could make a real gravelly right. camel, but that's not right. I don't know. But, uh. Could could it have been? Um, it's, it's, the, oh. it's the same voice he used as the abominable snowman. Well, that's a big help. Well, <laughs> for me, yeah. 
Mm. Free, was it Freeberg? Correct. That's Freeberg with the camel on the Jack Benny show. See, I didn't know when Freeberg began with Jack Benny. 1944. 44, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think I want to hear his name anymore. <laughs> <laughs> At least not. I was going, I was not going to say, would this be someone Patricia might have a grudge with? <laughs> I have an interest in him. Yes. Yes, you're right. You're right. I think I took my, my last wet noodle lashing tonight, I hope. Well, it's only, Patricia, it's only been a month or six weeks since, <laughs> since you did it. Walton's still getting phone calls. I couldn't get in. I want to talk about yeah, Stan Freeberg. Ay, ay, ay. I really, oh, I hit a hot button on that one. It was, this one was, I think, even bigger than Richard Diamond. So how many hot-button topics can you shoot for this year, Patricia? What do you think? Oh, my gosh. What do you think? I, what, what, what what would be the next one you would take on? Um, for Teresa. The, <laughs> <laughs> the, the next hot-button one? Uh-huh. I'm going to hit another Richard Diamond. Ah. Uh-huh. Got it all picked out. Okay. Yeah, she's picking fights again. How dare she? No, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you an honest review. If there is such a thing, of <laughs> 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 a lot of people on Broadway who are not in agreement with that. I saw it's a really a shame that a single newspaper can kill a show that is brand new. It, it's just criminal. I saw a good show last night on the American Masters uh, show, the series on PBS. The mm-hmm. uh, profiled Marvin Hamlish. Really? Yes, yes. Well worth the uh, 90 minutes to watch. I didn't realize he had died two or three years ago. It passed for it me. I always thought he was still been alive. I, I missed that one. Yes, he died suddenly of a heart attack, I think. Mm-hmm. Possibly, I forget. But hmm. Very interesting and talented fellow. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, you got to go to bed. I'm going You're to being bed. sent there. I'm That's pretending right. I'm your mother. It's only five after three in the morning for Dan, you know, no big deal. Hey, it's time to get up. Yeah, but he's, he's, he's already had a nap. I haven't had my nap. I know. That's right. That's right. I, like, fell asleep, and I thought, oh, I fell asleep. <laughs> well, isn't that coincidental? I fell asleep, and I woke up and said, oh, I fell asleep. That's right. I was just putting my head down to you, rest. You are oh. our resident reference librarian. <laughs> we expect more dynamic observations from you. Yes, that's right. right. Anyhow. <laughs> You're too funny. Well, have a good week. I'll you be too, in touch. And, thank you. Uh, you too, out. Dan. Hey, Dan, thank you, thank, th- thank you for the great girls. We, we, uh, I co- we copied it this week, so thank you for finding that um, from the Museum of Broadcasting Communication. And for great. the operator. Uh, I'll yes. watch for the emails. All right. Sounds great. I'll Thanks, Dan. Later. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, family. That, that is... In about calls for the evening, because it's Patricia wind down time here very quick. Yeah, I was winding down long before this. I know. Okay, we have Walden's questions. We always wind up with Walden's questions, and I think 
I would like to consider doing these earlier. I know I've asked for this one other time, and somehow it just never happens because this is one of the really fun parts of the show, and half of our people have gone to bed on the East Coast. So anyway, we have Walden's questions. We have a stump Walden question. We we could do a couple ways. What? We could say one for me and a caller to work together. Mm -hmm. You know, per question. Or we could do them all at the top. See which one I know right away, and the other one we can see the family picture. I don't know. There could be some ways to do it. Yes. Well, they interrupt radio shows, even even ones that are broadcast on the Internet, and break in as if, you know, and they take the space that would normally be a commercial space. So we could just shut down for one question worth and then come back. We could do that. We could do that. Let's just do trial and error and see what works. Okay. Right now, I'm barely working. (laughs) (laughs) So we have to do this. Okay, we've got Stump Walden. We have a brain teaser, a presidential question, a presidential quote, a colonial history question, a first lady question, and a baseball question. This is a big list. No wonder all your time's been disappearing. It's been worth three. You've overworked me. I know. Okay, what would you like first? I'm interested to see what category you're adding next year. Um, <laughs> Before and at the end, yeah. But, uh, brain you could do a whole show on this. Brain teaser, that's true. Your brain teaser? Uh-huh. Okay, what did Paul Revere say at the end of his ride? This is Yesterday USA. This is Patricia, and over there is Walden, and he's thinking very hard, I think. You didn't fall asleep, right? No, boy, this is a good okay. one. It's got to be very obvious, and i got to think. I'm trying to think if I can figure it out. <laughs> You're learning to narrow your focus a little bit. That's very good. Shotguns don't always work. He said, well, that's the end? <laughs> no, but that's a good answer. No. <laughs> is that all there is? No. Um, where's the forest lamp? The forest lantern. What? Well, wasn't it said, no, two, two by land, one, one, one by if, sea? One is by land and two is by sea. So maybe he was looking for the fourth one and he couldn't find it. They only had two. Oh. <laughs> Oh, dear, and he was pretty far from the North Church by that time, at the end of his ride. Uh, he he had to go to a, a silversmith no. to get shoes for his horse. He was the silversmith. Silver shoes. <laughs> oh, dear me. Can I give you the answer, please? Sure, my dear. Go right ahead. Okay. What did Paul Revere say at the end of his ride? Whoa. Whoa. Horsey. Very good. That was good. And I knew that one. That's it for the year. Okay, what else? My colonial question, please. Your colonial question. This one is pretty good because this is an anniversary. How many people were killed in the Boston Massacre on March 5th, 1770? Uh, who is Is it 13 or is it 6? might be 6. 
Pocono. How about five? Five. Yeah, I knew it was small. Were they British soldiers, colonists, or some of both? It was British. They were all colonists. That's right. They opened up. They they did. Um, the colonists were protesting, of course, the taxation on their goodies, especially tea, and it got very sensitive. They had British um, troops there, obviously, not not big time. They only had, you know, a handful of representatives standing there in uniform. But the soldiers, the um, the the people who were demonstrating, not the soldiers, people who were demonstrating formed a circle around a British soldier. And they were, you know, harassing him and poking fun at him. And um, eight additional British soldiers showed up. Somebody fired into the crowd. They finished doing the job. And it was without orders. They just spontaneously fired into the, into the crowd. Three people were killed instantly. Two others were wounded. And two more people died later of wounds sustained in the incident uh, so boy scary stuff you know yeah. Yeah. So, and and we've had things in modern history reminiscent of this we're really crazy people sometimes you know okay what's next we crazy american somebody we, that right. you crazy wabbit yes uh my presidential question your presidential question, all right. Under which president did the Louisiana Purchase take place? Thomas Jefferson. Very good. And who oversaw and supervised the purchase? We, spent, we gave France $15 million. <coughs> um, Secretary of Interior. Um, James Madison. It was, and he was Secretary of State. It was James Madison. My goodness, you get two stars for that one. That was good. Wow, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. That's, that's, one, that's one where I would sit there and say, what? That was all luck. Get out. That was all luck. Get out. Okay, what's next? My presidential quote. Your presidential quote. Lincoln had faith in time, and time has justified his faith. Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Mm, no. That surprised me. Yeah, uh, Lyndon Johnson. No, it was Benjamin Harrison. Oh. And that was like, it was only 25 years, about 25 years or 30 after, not even, no, 25 years maximum. Could have been less than that after Lincoln's death. So that's kind of fast to make that kind of a statement. Tells you the impact Lincoln had, huh? Yeah. So anyway, that's that's my quote for tonight. It's my quotation for tonight. Okay. First lady. I, learned that, I learned that from Nero Wolf. You quote somebody, but you put the information in quotation marks, so it's a quotation. There you all go. Very good. 
yeah. my okay. first lady comment, question, et cetera? Whatever. Your first lady, whatever. Okay, your first lady, whatever. Let's see, way down here. Okay, who was the only first lady born in a foreign country? Abigail Adams. That is absolutely correct. No, it was Louisa Adams. Ah, okay. It was John Quincy Adams' John's wife. wife, okay. Yeah, Quincy. and yep. she was yep. born. She was born in England. You are correct, right. but she was quite an intriguing lady, and I'm going to have to dig up some information about her one night. She played the harp, she wrote satirical plays, and raised silkworms. Very eclectic taste. Sound Can like, you imagine? Sounds like... I mean, this, this is so much fun to... Yeah, okay, it sound never like, mind. It sounds okay. like Patricia to me, but, you know. <laughs> With the silkworms. It, it could be. You're right. So we're down to a baseball question and a stump. Well, good question. Baseball. You're... Baseball question. When was the first televised game aired, and where was that game played? Uh, you can give me just the year on this. I don't even ask for the date. It was Johnny Vandermeer's no-hitter in Cincinnati, 1938. It was the Book and Dodgers in 1939. It was. And who did they play? Probably the New York Giants. It was the Cincinnati Reds. You had Cincinnati in there. Yeah. <laughs> and very good. They were at Edwards Field in Brooklyn. They played the Dodgers, Cincinnati Reds, and Red Barber called the game. Wow. I didn't think he went back that far. Oh, yeah. He died back in 1932. But, I should have known that because but, I've listened to, please don't tell anybody, but I've listened to quite a few of the baseball broadcasts, and I should have recognized that because they go back into the 1930s. Oh, yeah. So, hmm, he was a nice guy. He was. He was a, he was a, a lay minister, um, and you know how he, he, he was known, <laughs> he was known for, for catchphrases sometimes. And sitting in the catboat seat was one of his. And this huh. week, what I did, I tra- when he passed away in 1992, I recorded some memories, you know. And uh-huh. Dick Emberg, the famous announcer at the Angels, who just got into the Hall of Fame, did an interview with him. And he told Dick the story. I was playing penny ante poker with the guys. And I had a certain hand, so I started to raise the pot, raise the money, and the guys kept seeing me and raising me, and and he, you know, I said I had an ace, he had an ace, and I called him, and I lost the pot, and the guy said, well, I was in the catbird seat because I had two aces. You dealt me two aces right away. So Red said, I figured I bought the cat phrase, so I figured it was okay for me to keep it. Sounds reasonable. Yeah. Good old That's stuff. fun. Good old stuff. That's fun. You know, before Dan hung up, and, and that means we've got your stump walding question left. Before Dan hung up, you had used the term, my name is Mud, and I was going to ask both of you what the origin of that is. What does it mean and why?
Well, my name is Mud is a colloquial term, but I don't think I know. It stems back to Lincoln's assassination. It was Dr. Mudd who set John Wilkes Booth's leg. And he was ostracized. He was hated. The community, you know, throughout the country because he was aiding and abetting an enemy type thing. And, of course, they were so far off base because, you know, a doctor looking at a broken guy with a broken leg doesn't say, well, I'm sorry. (laughs) You you have to to go off by yourself. And that's where it came from. My name is Mud. So it's it's not Mud like the dirt. It's Mud with a capital M, M-U-D-D, as in Dr. Mud. Do you remember Roger Mud? I sure do. That was his uncle. Wow. Or his great uncle. Right. Yeah. So it, it's um, that's how close we are to history. Wow. Okay. So that anyway, that's where it came from. I have edified. Woohoo! <laughs> I am the I am the the pit stop for edification. Okay. Stumpwald. Ready. Ready. Who who was this? One is good for you too. Who was Charles? P. Hughes. Well, I know who Charles Everett Hughes was. Everett doesn't begin with a P. (laughs) Who who was Charles Everett Hughes? He was the Supreme Court Justice who stepped down and ran for the uh, the United United States in 1916, and then after he lost, World War Wilson put him back on the Supreme Court. Which was a very nice thing to do, very especially nice. if he was a good judge. And I was, I'm probably related to that series. I, and I probably knew that all. <laughs> <laughs> so you're probably related to this guy, too. Charles P. Hayes, a uh, huge. I don't know, my dear. He was the host of the first Nighter program. Oh. And after the two-minute list of actors and actresses, he would run in and just make the curtain call, and he was identified as Mr. First Nighter. Wow. Now, where where was the First Nighter theater set? Well, it's interesting. The, the show was done in Chicago, but mm-hmm. they always referred to being Times Square, so we sh- should assume... Through our imagination, it was in New York. That's right. It was the Little Theater Off-Broadway. That's the expression that they used. Little Theater Off-Broadway. And apparently, and I've heard a couple of these, you know this far better than I because you've listened to all of these things, but the sound effects were so good. Mr. First Nighter was racing to the theater, and he would get there just in time, and they had car horns and taxi cabs and people... It was very, very well done. I, I've been running some on Friday night very recently. Mm-hmm. Tremaine had a spoof record made. <laughs> I don't know if you ever heard it. No. Well, the, you know, the, at the end of the show, the first night I say goodnight, and he hates the cab to drive away. At you know, they, as they wrap up the show. Mm-hmm. Well, Wes had it that. They got the first night I said goodnight to everybody, got in the car, and the car locked control and went into a crash. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll be back with <laughs> Mr. First Nighter Jr. next week. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. 
<sighs> I think I'm finished. All righty. Patricia and I. This, this was going to be our early night. I know. We had talked before we came on the air. Both that, of us were a little tired. You know, both of us are tired. And stuff like that there. Yeah. And yeah. we were going to stop a little bit earlier tonight. Yeah. We didn't make it. I'll give you credit next week. We tried. <laughs> yes. However, you know, we, we, Walden said this before we got on the air. We start having so much fun, we forget yeah. why we needed to leave early. Yeah. So we forgot. We and forgot. that's all because of our family. So thank you so much, everybody, for staying with us. We had a great time. I hope you had a good time, too. And that means I have to say good night, Walden. Good night, Patricia. And we love everybody very, very much. And so, there. so Patricia has agreed to be on with me Monday if they let us come out and play. We'll find out. We'll find out. Good night, everybody. Good night, Walden. Another night like this is what I'm wishing for The moon above would gladly give its light To another night like this I've never known such bliss How could I hope for more My heart and I glory in the sight of another night like this. There must be some reason why you came along and turned aside to a song, but I won't know until I've known the thrill of your kiss. Nobody else but you Could make my wish come true So promise me that you'll make every night Just another night like this
Jaws Professional, Patricia from FL Home, Bill Bragg, and Call Button, Alt Page Down, Menu Bar, Skype, Alt F4, Leaving Menu Bar, Alt Tab, Skype Trademark, Alt Tab, MP3, Alt Tab, Skype Trademark, Alt Tab, Replay Radio 9, Alt Tab, Alt Tab, Replay, Alt Tab, Skype Trademark, Alt F4, Menu Bar, Sist, Alt Tab, Leaving Menu Bar, Alt Tab, Skype Trade, Alt Tab, Replay, Alt Tab, Bill Brad, Alt Tab, Sound Forge Pro, Escape, Enter, 0.0, Enter, 0.0, Menu, A, Leaving Menus, Save as Dialog, File Name, Colon, Sound 2.wav, Edit, S A T U R D A Y N I G A T 3 Dash 5 Dash 1 6 Dub I T H P A T R I C I A F I R S T P C Save a save but enter data window 0.024 seconds. Mm -hmm. 